Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Close Aviation and Flight Simulation Show. I'm Johnny um, with a very, very special guest. We're going to get to him in a minute because I'm going to build the, the uh, suspense with the you know drum roll. So cool. Uh, definitely <laughs> looking forward to it. You guys, um, hope you guys had an awesome weekend thus well, you know, tail end of the weekend thus far. So, um, of course, you know, we got to bring in uh, bring in the team here. Um, actually, I'm a uh, change the order up here. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> since we had a, a, a late arrival, I ain't gonna get on them yet. But uh, while you change your order, let me fix this mic. I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. Go ahead. No, get on, get, get on no Charlie worries. before you get on me. No worries. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, of course, our usual team here. Uh, my main man, Charlie. Charlie, say hello to people, man. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? How's everybody man. doing? Oh man, hanging in there, brother. Still looking at that old nuclear power station you got behind you there. New hater. I don't have to have a hater out here anymore. uh, (laughs) Exactly, man. I think Georgia's uh, Georgia's power consumption went up seventy five percent due to your due to your machine there. And of course, my man who just popped in there. Uh, my man took the old Elon Express back to the house to get on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Mike Selman, Mike said hello to people, man. What's going on, man? Good to be here. Sorry, uh, um, this is the second show in the road that I'm tardy. I don't know what's going on, man. Mm-hmm. It's that time like, difference, man. I think it's like four tardies. You're in like detention or something. Ain't Someone's gotta talk to the producers like about this. It's uh, yeah, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to uh, gonna have to get a call from Chief here in a minute, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but how you been brother How's, hope all is well good man besides uh you know battling uh winter weather and snow in los angeles of all places man uh, i know what's complain. up with that bro it's it's been a weird week man it's been a weird week oh man that's crazy that's crazy almost crazy as negative 10 degrees mm. Ooh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, it is unusual though. California getting the uh, getting the weather phenomenon that you guys were getting over there. Have they have they completely shut down the city? Is it mass pandemonium over there or what? I mean, not not at uh, the the basic elevations, but uh, you know those that are I don't know about three thousand feet and up in in those cities and things like Big Bear and uh, uh, Lake Arrowhead and those sorts of places. Yep. Um, unless you've got like, you know, tires and specific dedicated equipment to get up and down, uh, they aren't allowing you up. It's, uh, it's been a wild one. Oh, wow. Too. Yeah, That's right. crazy. That is crazy. Well, guys, a heck of a show, heck of a show today. Um, actually want to, uh, take the opportunity to welcome a, a return guest. He was here with us December 14th, two thousand and 21 no idea how i remember that but i totally did <laughs> ladies and gentlemen colin from ibernix i uh colin say hello to people my friend there we go there, there we go. go see now i'm uh, fashionably late to my vocal introduction hello everybody i'm glad to be back and i am impressed that you remember the uh the date too man i i don't even remember what i had for breakfast this morning let alone <laughs> when, where i was a year and change ago so that's uh it's good to be back too cool my friend again like i said it was uh, you, yeah, you were definitely in a uh, one of the more memorable. Although all of our guests are memorable, but definitely uh, getting the t- and, uh, getting you on and um, you know having the opportunity to uh, to to meet with you last time was was definitely a uh, memorable experience. So again, my friend, welcome. But um, 
guys, like I said, a heck of a show today. Uh, but first thing I, I want to uh, wanted to cover real quick um, tomorrow, and I'll just say this because I'm totally a nerd for it. But tomorrow, there's actually going. I think the Antonov two twenty five Charlie is going to be releasing tomorrow. It is. Oh, it's tomorrow. It is tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's such a cool so, thing they did with that that whole project. Oh yeah, it was out of the blue too. Like it was unreal. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you know, definitely keep an eye on that. I'll be on a plane, but you know, definitely look out for it and. I'll be checking the socials for all the screenshots. So just want to get that out of the way. But um, going back to our guest there. So I know a year has flown by since the last time we uh, we spoke, Colin. Um, yes. as, as, as far as what the team has been doing, and because um, I, I, I know there was a uh, there was a recent release uh, regarding some pre-orders that, you know, um, some users, I guess, uh, had some opinions about. Uh, yes. So, so tell me, tell me how all that transpired. Pre-sales. So, oh man. So yeah, we did. We just did. I guess for anybody that's not familiar, we'll start from the top. So we just did a pre-sale in December of our up-and-coming MD11 simulation that'll be both MSFS and V3D. So we did the pre-sale, and it's it's kind of. Oh man, where do I want to start? So I want to kind of address. A question I know we got asked. Think about a business, right? Any business you seek to make money, right? Ultimately, you can you can do great things and have a good time doing it, which is why we do what we do. But ultimately, you know, we, we also need funding to operate, right? And the pre-sale was was basically a way for us to do that without just asking for free money from people, because these planes are really hard to develop and they take a long time. They are, I mean, we're going on I think what two and a half, three years on the MD11 now, and that's actually. And for the amount of work that we've done on it fast for what it could have been. So, you know, for our case, it was, we were looking at it going, you know what, well, we're, we're six months to nine months at least away from release, but what's wrong with us moving some of that income up a little bit, pays the devs a bigger income, you know, a year in advance. And, but it we did it limited, right. For a couple of reasons. Number one, we're not done. And I don't want us celebrating like we're done because that's not what the pre-sale was for. So we kept it to a limited number where, okay, it's a nice, it's a nice bit of income. Obviously the math is pretty simple. So, you know, you know, we made $80,000 from it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that money, we then said, okay, cool. Now we're going to make sure that this thing absolutely knocks people's socks off. The pre-sale, we did something kind of unique though, that we, so we had talked initially when we started the project about what variants we were going to do. And obviously the MD-11 is now known for its cargo operations, but it was once a passenger plane. So we knew out of the gate for sure we were going to do passenger and cargo. But of course, that's kind of the, the high level, simple explanation. There's more. Then there's the factory freighter, the Boeing converted freighter. There is the combi, which I think there's only like four of. So we didn't do that. There was an ER that there wasn't very many of either that just had an extra fuel tank that gave us some extra range. So we early on in the project had axed some of the few minor ones from the agenda anyway, because we looked at it and went, OK, you know, 98 percent of the fleet, let's say, wasn't this way. Probably gonna we're gonna go with the ninety eight percent majority here, but then we looked at the pre sale and said, okay, what can we offer that is not impossibly complex to make for us, right? Because you know if if we do a pre sale and then cost ourselves an additional eighty grand of, of development time, what did we gain? For sure. So for sure. we had to something that was achievable in a reasonable amount of time without a huge overhead. We also wanted to pick something that was meaningful to the pre sale mm -hmm. people, so that way they feel like they got something. But we also wanted to pick something that would not be horrendously missed if you didn't get the pre-sale because mm -hmm. I know 
I've seen all the awful, you know, uh, Indi- not, it was Indiegogo and, you know, uh, Kickstarter and all these, all these games come out and do crowdfunding. I've seen that go really wrong a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I completely understand that not, not, there were a lot of people that had reservations in pre-ordering something like this. And that's fine. I even told people, if you're not hundred percent comfortable, don't buy it, please. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to hold you hostage and I don't want you to be nervous with your investment. Which is why, and that's, that's that's really what we considered it. We considered it an upfront investment. You're, you're paying in advance. You're getting something in the end, totally mm-hmm. optional. And that's, but we had a hard time, I think, and a lot of people were bothered by. I think one of the main things we saw was their complaint that, well, what I'm just not going to get the ER because I didn't give you my money in advance. And the answer is is yes, really, yes. That's exactly what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. you weren't going to get an ER anyway because we weren't going to do mm-hmm. one at all. We added this to the ticket specifically for the presale. So nobody was getting, or nobody was ever going to have one anyway. So now, if you chose uh-huh. to do the presale, you got an extra thing. But they, we weren't taking away from the project. We would never do that. I would never take away from what we had already planned and put it behind a paywall. That's just not the way we do business. Wow, wow, and 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 again, you know, when uh, when we first saw the uh, when we first saw the the uh, you know the news drop, right? You know, there was a you know, of course, there was the big, um, um, big uproar um, re- regarding it. Um, in terms of, um, in terms of the the ER, and uh, we also noticed that you know the, the and personally, I I think it was very tasteful the way it was handled. Um, mm-hmm. We we mm-hmm. noticed that there was a certificate mm-hmm. that was also yes. uh, delivered to the users. What? <laughs> What was the motivation behind that or the inspiration to, you know, to, to, to bring about that? The certificate specifically? Mm-hmm. Specifically, yes. Well, I, again, it was, I'm looking at it through the lens of adding value, right? Because you're, you're going out of your way to buy something potentially, you know, at least six months in advance. And we were really clear about that, like even on the product page. I guess this, this mm-hmm. is a thing you're going to get in the future. So one of the ways, it, it maybe is a little gimmicky and I'll own that. But one of the ways that we did it is we kind of thought back to old, you know, old airplane models. If you bought a limited mm-hmm. edition diecast model, mm-hmm. you got the model, and then you got a little piece of paper that says, "I I own model number two twenty seven of five hundred, let's say, or whatever it is." And that's although the paper isn't really worth anything, the concept mm-hmm. that it represents is to you sure. anyway. It is because it is you say it's worth something, and you know that there can never be another one of yours. And that's mm-hmm. harder to do with digital software. Because unlike mm-hmm. a model or something where I can physically put it in your hands and say, here you go, this is, this is the only one of its kind, it's harder to do that with code that is by nature infinitely duplicatable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the serial numbers, if, and, and for what it's worth, even the developers don't have serialized numbers. I don't have one. I don't have one of those thousand. The devs don't have it. That is only for the people that, that gave us that money in advance oh, and, and wow. invested in the project. So it was a way for us... To again, going back to what we said before, without spending a ridiculous amount of money, it was a way for us to add value and try to give something back to people that like that. And again, we were clear because if you don't mm-hmm. care about that kind of thing, please don't buy it. Yeah. If, sure. if you are a yeah. collector, because that, that certificate, I've even told people so there, there's two signatures on it. They're digital signatures. One is mine and one is our COL, Josh's. But I've mm-hmm. told people if you bring us a blank at Expo, I will hand sign your certificate. Wow. I, oh, I don't nice. I, it It would have been insane for two people to hand sign a thousand documents and by the, by the time we mailed them all out and everything it would have been so expensive to do right yeah but if you yeah. have them we will i will happily do that and i can't imagine josh would have any aversion to it either but the, wow. anyway to answer your question the reason the the serialization specifically 
is that was the easiest way that we we could say because we, we did the limited number anyway rather mm-hmm. than just being some virtually imposed stock limit we oh, actually yeah. now say okay there it, it's a it's a nice even round number mm-hmm. it's a good amount of income for us but it's small enough that that you feel like you got something you're the collector's edition chat we have on our discord is now they're, they're getting some information ahead of everybody else because they've invested into the project they're not just followers now now they're they're public investors so we're, you know they Absolutely. got a little extra they got a seat at that table basically and they get to hold that certificate and get their extended range version and, and we'll do little stuff for them fun stuff like we're, sure. we're talking about ways to try to get like your serial number if you have one into the cockpit somewhere wow so you'll see it oh that'd so, be cool I can't guarantee if or what format that's going to take on, but we will definitely do it. Whether it's something minor in the MCDU or something on the texturing itself, we talked about even on the outside, if you flew certain like house paints or if you wanted it, having it show up there. Little stuff again, but just we want to make it feel like it meant something because it did mean a lot right. to us that so many people so quickly came to support us. I mean, it sold out in under a day. And that was, wow. that was insane for us. Whoa, really? Yes. I didn't yeah, know I dude, I was nervous hours. trying to get it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, we, we had planned to do it for a month. The idea was December, the month of December, you know, Merry Christmas, here's a pre-sale, here's some extra stuff. Good for everybody. And people were, we uh, the, the discussion had already begun in Discord before we even got there. And there were already theories that it would, they were competing to see who was the closest. Is it going to be a half an hour it'll sell out, an hour it'll sell out? And I'm reading these yeah. chats and I'm like, there's, I might have misjudged how many copies of this we needed. <laughs> uh, it was not a month long sale. It wasn't even a week long sale. Um, Fabio, our, our technical team lead just messaged me and uh, corrected me. It was 10 hours. It sold out in wow. 10 hours. Wow. So, co- or sorry, 980 copies because 20 were like pending. And I think we gave one away. One, one single copy was a giveaway on Jetstream radio. Wow. wow. Yeah. But completely, completely blown away Kyle and I and I, I I hate when I saw it I was um I was actually at the airport and I was just like man I was like yeah I want to get home I'll, I'll you know because I I, I, re- I remember um during our last conversation I'm like yeah I'll be you know me I mean because I've been dying for MD11 myself and as well as uh Charlie which I think Charlie actually was a, a lucky what a, 469. Uh, Oh, <laughs> one of us. One of us. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for your support. Hey, I'm glad, man. I'm excited for it. So yeah, he, he posted their certificate, and I have to say, I was totally salty about it. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I've even uh, I've got some some brand new stuff that the team has sent me up from my MSFS here on my screen too. So I'll have something cool to uh to preview oh, with everybody awesome. here later. Oh, oh can't wait. Easter can't eggs. Wait. Easter eggs, exactly. Oh, these are exactly. full cockpit shots. These aren't Easter eggs. Ooh, oh, oh, wow! Holy smokes! As far as the project as a whole, Colin, have you guys been making pretty, um, um, pretty good headway as far as you guys' roadmap? I know, I know. Again, the last time we talked, you know, you had gave us kind of a rough overview in terms of you know the project and you know where you guys expect to, you know, be at, you know, a particular point, you know, this year, have you found that, you know, things, you know, tended to be kind of clicking along or have there been some, uh, you know, some, some roadblocks here and there? I I would say it's been a mixed bag, Mm -hmm. you know, and with, with software development in general, we even, it's actually written into our policy 
mm-hmm. that whatever you think the amount of time you need is overestimate by 25%. Absolutely. This <laughs> is written into our policy this way because that's just how software is. Absolutely. So I would say some degree of, of technical struggle was kind of anticipated, mm-hmm. you know, and it, 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 there always is. However, what wasn't is we, we did learning MSFS. I think it's become popular to hate on MSFS. For, to oh, some for sure. Agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I kind of fell into that trap myself, where I was, I was really quick to to express more negative views okay. of it. And as I've got into it over the last year, I've actually started flying with it myself. I've done some oh. some to get regular flights. Mm-hmm. I figured I need to understand the platform I'm working in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I finally understood as a consumer what the hype was. Mm. And I will say, I think that pushed us to work more heavily in MSFS. Mm. But that is where some of the challenges really came in. Because wow. we, we did run into a few unexpected ones. A few were minor hiccups in the SDK, which as much as I would, I, I know I had some very mixed opinions last time I was on the show. I mm-hmm. want to give them the credit they deserve since then. Uh, credit to Asobo and the team over there for promptly and thoroughly fixing several problems that we found with the SDK. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have now made any attempt to get out of it. As soon as we can prove like, hey, this is what we're experiencing. They look at it. They, so they say, yeah, it shouldn't be that way. They fix it. And the next time update, we're, we're good to go. Wow. So it's, that's been really amazing so far. Um, it has slowed us down a little bit, but again, I would, I, that type of an arrangement, it would be a little bit hypocritical of me to complain about, you know, the product because the developers <laughs> are doing something they care. They're, they're showing for that sure. they care. Yeah, um, sure. That helps. Yeah. But where we struggled the most was displays. Mm. What a nightmare. What <laughs> wow. an absolute nightmare. So we, going back to the beginning with this flame, we did something really different. And rather than building it in the Sims, mm-hmm. this, the code didn't even hit a Sim. For probably the first six months that we worked on it whoa wow and we have the, and i know I, we touched I, I went into the great detail a lot about it on the last one so i want to you know I, i'll tell a different story this time but in short <laughs> we developed this kind of assembly line model of making things instead of having it in the like the 717 what we did if we had the, the model was made got it in the sim with at least enough texturing that we could see the, the labels on the switches and whatnot right and then we started coding from there to get it done and that means that you've got this huge lead time while all the artwork is being developed that the programmers are basically waiting and it creates this really tight coupling between the two. Mm-hmm. And now that's kind of how it's always been as far as I know, that's how it was when I came into the industry. We developed something for the MD-11 that lets us run the code like a desktop trainer with no sim uh, at all. Mm-hmm. So oh, wow. great technology, accelerated development by like 50%. Like there, there are times that we've done, we did the, I did the entire hydraulic system from the ground up in like a week of full-time wow. coding. Yeah. The <laughs> there's no Sims. There's no CTD. There's no loading. There's no switching planes. There's none of this. There is load up test. You can drill one scenario a hundred times in the time it takes me to load my Sim 10. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you, you do that math, you're like, okay, great. However, what it does an absolutely abysmal job of doing is recreating the technical limitations and challenges the Sims impose. Mm. So we wrote a friggin' fantastic desktop trainer. Displays looked damn near one-to-one with real life. It was dead on. Popped it in P3D and got about six FPS with it. <laughs> six. So we, wow. Yes. We, we, got, we were counting seconds per frame at some point. <laughs> and... Um, and we, we had to step back and kind of look at the code and go, where, where did we go wrong? And, of course, we started doing our performance profiling. We figured out really quick it was the display. Right. It just took us mm-hmm. no time at all to, to pin down what it was. Mm-hmm. But then the, the even harder decision of, okay, well, that's not working, so what will? And we had wow. to redo it, which is why you've seen a bunch of 
colorful or blank displays in our previews recently. We right. had to redo the display, the back end of the display technology from the ground up. So oh, we switched oh, wow. from an older. So it was a weird system. MSFS's rendering technology is to, to non-programmers. It is basically the code structure looks like what we've been using. They mm -hmm. built it to kind of mimic what developers coming from older projects are going to be comfortable with. Right. So it looks similar. And from the information that we had when we talked last year, we hadn't dipped our toes too deeply in MSFS yet. The very basics, just enough to make mm -hmm. sure like that the proof of concept worked. And then we continued in our, in our independent studio. Mm -hmm. So when we got into full scale testing with full, you know, fully implemented displays and full systems is when we saw these limitations mm -hmm. and we were using what was actually an older technology because it's the one that MSFS mimicked. mimicked the right. thought being we write it once, get the same technology in P3D the way it's always been, but get that same code to compile with minimal to no changes in MSFS. That was our goal. We were flying that mm -hmm. flag from mm -hmm. the rooftops since the beginning of this project, one code base, one set of assets, we're going to, we're going to be the ones that figure out this workflow and do it for both. And now I know why people don't do that. Uh, um, it, it ended up becoming impossible. We at some point had to give up on the goal of one code base mm -hmm. and now it's 90% one code base. So that, that oh, 10% wow. is where we've had to branch off into specifics for each platform. Now, the beauty of it is the way we write our mm -hmm. code, it is really easy to move around anyway, easier yeah, than okay. it would have been, so, so the 717, this would have been a show-stopping problem. Had we got to this, had we been at the stage that we are now and realized that the 717's mm -hmm. displays had to be rewritten, it would have been show-stopping. Wow. My goodness. Holy cow. The team size that we have and the, the skill of our team members and the technology itself let us take that in stride, basically. And mm -hmm. the same is true with the systems. We did something similar recently with the systems where we decided, again, we did the initial code. It worked. And then we were looking at it going, okay, now let's add the breakers. Let's add this really granular simulation that we've been promising everybody. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Under load, we were, we were down into the single-digit frames again. So we did the same thing. Went, wow. okay, cool. We're going to rewrite the back end of it. But everything we've done, we, when we code these things now, we don't say we need hydraulics. Mm -hmm. well, we say, what is a hydraulic system? Well, it's a simulation of connected pipes and valves. Okay, so let's simulate the valves and the pipes. So we do that. So it's once we have that, it's easy enough to say, okay, this pipe goes here, this valve goes there, this pressure transfers here. That doesn't have to change much, which is why mm -hmm. we can keep trying these new things and we're not going backward because the logic is not changing. All we're changing is how we what what we're simulating the wires with. This is one that's been that's been uh, slowing me down recently is the electrical system. Mm -hmm. We wrote a system to simulate a circuit, really. So this system wow. that we created, the way I've been describing it to people is it's. We set out to make a shovel and made an awesome rake instead. <laughs> and that's the easiest way to describe it. Because wow. we made this system that basically will blindly figure out. So you could have an environment where you have a power system mm -hmm. and you plug something in in your code. And it, it's, it, the, the function isn't literally plug in, but it's, it, the code is very similar. You see us mm -hmm. basically plugging it into the system. And then it will blindly figure out what else is plugged into that system and get power from the, the most reasonable, like the most reasonable choice. Wow. Great. Problem is it was causing it to evaluate like several thousand possible paths, every frame, every second. Oh, wow. Oh, good oh. grief. Which because is murder it, on the CPU. <laughs> yep. Because every system, let's say now, and this is, this is an awesome piece of technology to have for a different application. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about this, let's say we want to, let's think game engines, right? Let's mm -hmm. say you want to simulate a, an electrical system in a game engine. 
rather than doing what we were doing and using this system and, and basically probing out into space to finding all these paths every frame, that is not effective. It, well, sorry, it's very effective, but it's not performance friendly. Mm-hmm. The way you can do that is in like a game engine. Every time something changes, do that once, evaluate all several thousand possibilities, know you're right, and save it. Ah, We can't do that in the MD-11 because it's, it's, it's dynamic. It's constantly changing. As generators come on and offline, as load values change, as demand changes, mm-hmm. so does the way that the electrical load propagation has to be done, right? And we want to get that right. Mm-hmm. We want you to see those load values vary. And this is how it works uh, in the hydraulics. If you, if you pull the speed brakes down, and you pull a bu- you add a bunch of demand to the hydraulic system, you will see the consumption of the fluid go up because we've added a bunch uh. of pressure demand. You same with the electrical load system. None of those values are fake. Now, whether they're the exact you know amps and voltages that the real plane is, I don't know because sure. I can't go into the I can't go with a voltmeter into the electronics cabinet. But the idea is when you see that load value go up, it's not because we just did math dot random. You, your load value went up because something else is using power. So, so basically, you're saying all your your pneumatic parameters, electrical and hydraulic, are all dynamic. So they're based on something. You know, yes, based on something. Holy mm. smokes! Wow. All of that stuff. All those numbers. Uh, even the temperature simulation. So we we the hydraulics. I kind of use as our model for how we're going to do the rest of them because it's simple enough. It's mm-hmm. got the 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 NRMPs and the RMPs. It's got enough complexity that we could test the system, but it's not. Mm-hmm. The electrical schematic where I'm staring at 37 different lines that I, um, I almost lost my mind trying to read that, that diagram. <laughs> oh, so it's man, easier. Man. I don't know. Have you guys ever looked at those, like the schematics, not the FCOM ones, like the the engineering yep. schematics? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. I don't. <laughs> I am Carl's side looking at them. <laughs> that's it. I, you know, and the thing is, I know airplane systems pretty well. I'm not. I'm not a real in, uh, aircraft engineer, of course, but mm-hmm. I I've spent my entire professional life reading these manuals. And understanding airplanes and i still look at some of these and i'm like what <laughs> i'm like tracing it on my screen i'm like where does that go and i'm like reading the other page i'm like i can't no so we, that's why we use the hydraulics it's because it one didn't make me uh go gray immediately immediately <laughs> so we we tried it and, and yeah we i just saw the the comic up yeah it's a simplified diagram so these these diagrams that that uh make my vision get worse and uh make me think about getting rogaine are the simplified <laughs> ones these are simple Wow. So I, I can't imagine what the full complexity one is. But no, so the, the hydraulic system, right? We, we tested this and we said, okay, we're going to mm-hmm. build everything outright. Mm-hmm. We actually have the ability to simulate an uncontained failure in engine two, causing a hydraulic drop from system three in the tail. But then the system is smart enough to know this and cut off the uh, shutoff valve to the flight controls. What? So you can't, you'll wow. dump some of your hydraulic fluid out the tail, but not all of it. Damn. And you'll see this happen on the screens. You'll see master caution you know hydraulic pressure low mm-hmm. and then you'll see lf shut off off whatever the warning is i forget the exact verbiage but it's something like you know lf shut off closed or something like that and if and you look at the display you'll see okay cool i've got system three pressure system one pressure two is empty three is at half quantity but it's cut off so i'm i'm using backup like standby power on my rudder and uh no, I, I don't i can't remember if the rudder's involved i think it is i think it's the whole tail either wow. way Little details like that, I'd have to look up. I don't want to give you bad information, but <laughs> the concept is, is the same. And, like, and we tested that, and that's it works. Like our simulation Holy of pressure smoke. is based on how much hydraulic fluid you have. It's a function. So when that fluid hits zero, mathematically, so does your pressure. And that's that kind of concept is seen across like throughout all of the code. The the simulation for the radios. Mm-hmm. My uh, the guy's name is is Pedro. He's yeah. 
very good developer. He's working with us doing all the radio navigation. But the way we did it is I said, okay, here are my requirements. It needs to be able to be tuned via ABC and needs to be able to you know, output this data and receive this data. And he's building this like an independent unit and he's going to come back to me and plug it into our systems. That's how they all work. The IRS is its own independent simulation. The FMC is its own independent computer that are all plugged into each other. And that's, that's why it works the way it does. That's why everything is so damn slow. And I feel bad. I can't wait to show everybody all of this stuff in the sim. But that is really going to happen like months before release. Like you'll, you'll see everything alive in the cockpit and like a potentially, I have to say potentially, so I don't get quoted on this. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where you might see the whole cockpit alive. And a month later, we're talking about flying it gate to gate. Like that's, wow. it's going to be a really short window of full cockpit previews before we're flying it. Wow. So, so that, that's interesting. And I want to ask a question, um, for two reasons. One, um, I just, I'm not that in tune with, uh, you know, development and aircraft development overall, uh, but two, because of some of the information and comments that we've heard over the last year, two years about Microsoft flights in 2020 as a platform, uh, in, in general, the way you've designed these systems and have coded these systems and, and, and the way you, you've explained it to us, how much of that is dependent on 2020's core platform. That's the, I'll let you answer that one first. Five, 10%. Okay. So mm. is it safe to say you've developed it that way because you can sort of structure your development and sort of not tie your entire sort of roadmap and timeline to 2020 as a platform and allow you to sort of get to those core features a lot quicker i'm i have to say no that is now one of the reasons that we continue to it's one, okay that is the reason that, that we continue to do that sort of thing and push to make it more advanced but i would love to take credit for great future thought initially in that design but i can't really the reason that we did this uh, is it dates back to the 717 and we did all of that stuff. The, so it, the 717 is a similar concept that maybe only 5 or 10% of its code is actually related to the SIM. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's the only way to do it right. The SIMs simply don't have enough options or in some cases the right... In some cases, the simulation is straight up wrong or just very, very simple compared to what you would need to do something like the 717 or now MD-11 correctly. That the only mm -hmm. option we saw was do it completely custom because doing yeah. it doing it wrong wasn't an option so we had to decide do we either how much do we fake and we tried this like so a great example of this is a navigation radio system in the 717 if you've ever used it it's horribly clunky the nav radio it, it does work but your vor and your vor tracking is questionable and the way the ap mode is like in general it just feels kind of jank mm, right that is one of the few systems that we actually tried to interface with the default stuff go figure the one we oh, interfaced wow. with is the one that's horrendously <laughs> clunky and jank. <laughs> Alternatively, something like the electrical system in the 717 is bulletproof. Works exactly like it's supposed to by the book almost every single time. Totally custom. Mm -hmm. That uses exactly zero code from mm -hmm. from any of the sims. Got it. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, so the that's so the reason is is for technical accuracy at its, at its lowest level. Second would be for now maintenance and, and platform agnostic support. Yeah. And, and I think we've seen that across, you know, many of the high fidelity development products that we see come out here 
across the community for all of the the platforms, right? Uh, the major platforms, Xplain, uh, 2020, and even P3D, depending on sort of the future of that and where you think that lies. But I think like that is uh, that that's consistent with what we've seen or what we've heard from all the developers as they approach sort of their designs and and their development towards these add-ons, high fidelity add-ons. Uh, mm. such as the MD11. And I, I think that's exciting. I think that's great for the community overall. Um, I mean, just in, in the context of familiarization and, you know, we talk about this all the time, utilizing the sim as a yep. jumping point to go do something in the real world, whether it's to go be an engineer or go be a pilot, right? Um, I think as close as you can get that to reality, the better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And I, and I, I, you know, as much as I love to hate on some of the projects sometimes or some of the, the Sims, I think it makes sense too that if you're talking about something like this, it's going to be impossible for someone else to guess what you might need, right? Like there's, <laughs> there's no way if I was going to make a simulator, I, I'm not going to pretend that I would get it perfect and know what every single plane is going to need. Uh, it, they have done an adequate job of giving us at least even footing to start our work. That's all we mm -hmm. want. I don't need you to hand it to us. I just need a place to do it that yep. I know my, it's not going to crumble beneath my feet while I'm yeah while I'm building the tower. You need somewhat mm -hmm. of a foundation. Yes, that's absolutely. And that's and I would say that was maybe the biggest thing we felt we were lacking with MSFS initially was that strong mm -hmm. foundation. Now mm -hmm. we've got a much better understanding of it, and it has also been more refined. So now it's not as much about you know working around bugs as as it is just understanding the platform. Absolutely. And it seems to me that um, the Sobo team has been, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, keep me honest there, um, Colin, um, seems as if they're a little more receptive to developer input. Than, yes. Um, dealing with, okay. Okay. Yeah, they recently, as, uh, I, I'd still definitely get the feeling that they kind of have their own, their own objectives that they're working toward, which, which stands mm -hmm. to reason. Sure. But I will say that um, in dealing with them, yes, they, they do seem to genuinely care whether or not you know the, the platform is working correctly and when we can mm -hmm. demonstrate something actionable to them that needs fixing they don't seem to have any hesitation in doing so wow that's yeah, great that... to hear you know i don't think it was always that way in the beginning <laughs> nope no, <I> know <laughs> we, we felt like we were a little more on our own in the beginning and it yeah. seemed like those complaints were heard that's great to hear Wow. Well, going to our uh, uh, going to our audience here. I was on a live stream actually from uh, Saul Delano, um, which I'm not sure how uh, how how much you can get into this, Colin. But uh, when will the MD11 be entering into uh, the beta testing process? Uh, so this one is one of those things you've kind of got me pinched because you know so our pre-sale agreement with the public says that we have to have them something out to you all by september 30th it needs to be released this year mm -hmm. um, and we also I, I can't remember so again if i'm wrong don't quote me um but it's either 60 or 90 days that we promised our uh, pre-sale customers would have access to it prior so that means there needs to be at, per the agreement we've made with our customers there must be something flyable <laughs> usable by consumers by the end of june mm. uh, and we're working very hard to make that happen um, and I, I don't see a reason why that'd be a problem. Uh, ideally, I mean, of course, if, if I'm able to accelerate that process, I'm certainly going to, but that I'm going to answer your question by saying no more than June 30th. <laughs> and that'll be, uh, that'll be a great, uh, announcement, uh, from you guys, uh, at Expo. Oh man. We, that's I'm looking forward to it very much this year. I think, 
Fortunately, I think we're going to be in a position to potentially make some announcements or at a bare minimum, at least show people some hands-on uh, demos. And yes, I see that the question just came up. If you don't mind, I'll just take that one while we're mm -hmm. in the middle sure. of the sentence. Um, yes, we are going to go to Expo. We want to be there. We, we love being part of these things. We love being out in the community. It's, it's a huge part of why we enjoy doing what we're doing. So we, we can't wait to be there. And we want to be able to have people come in and, and fly the MD-11 and, and be hands-on. And of course, yeah, there is a discount for your registration. If anybody is hearing this going, you know what? I want to go bother TFDI at their, their booth. <laughs> <laughs> if you had that burning question that you just can't wait and you want to ask me face to face, so we can't just close the tab. <laughs> Come see us. You got ten percent off with the uh, the the closed traffic podcast code here. I believe Jetstream Radio also has one. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think I'm not sure if I don't know what the percentages are, but this is your show. I'm going to push your your code. No, I, I think, well, we first of all we appreciate we're, that, <laughs> but I think uh, I think we're all pretty much uh, so for for all of the uh, the participating uh, podcasts and uh, sponsors for the event. Uh, I think everyone's code is ten percent. So okay, uh, unfortunately, you only can use one code, but uh, yeah, we <laughs> we appreciate you doubling up by coupons, man. That's totally <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes every time I check out on anything, I always see if there's coupons available. I'm sure. no, horrible couponing. My wife does it. She's really good at it, but I always forget about it and get frustrated and just say the heck with it and go ahead and pay for it. So I don't know. <laughs> that's it. That's me. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, if you Google whatever the site is, space coupons, and give mm -hmm. it 30 seconds before you buy it, you, you will you'll, you'll save yourself a good chunk of change over time. Really? I think probably the, the amount only... of coupons I have seen that they're either they're either obscure promotions you didn't hear about or they're things that just never expired that like the campaign was like kind of over, but they never officially ended it. And they right. just don't take them down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, turnabout's fair play. For what it's worth, people have done this to us and approached us and right. said, hey, I figured out. A Wait, had a guy that I ended up hiring him eventually. Um, yeah, he doesn't work for us anymore. But years ago, one of our guys figured out, I believe it was either the format for one of our coupons or the link structure for what the product was going to be. Mm -hmm. or no, 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 no. Sorry. I do remember now. He was a beta tester. And we gave oh. a month a month coupon for 100% off to Smart Cars Premium. Mm -hmm. And he went, huh, I wonder if I try a year. And did it, <laughs> and I forgot to set it that way, and it worked. So he came to us and says, well, hey, I, I got a free year. You might want to fix that. And we looked at it and went, congratulations on your free year, but it's now fixed. So, yeah, you got this one. Next time, it'll be the normal price. Want a job? <laughs> Want a job? Oh, that, he ended up becoming our, our. It was Josh Mendoza. I don't. I know he was. He was our community manager for a long time. He was. Mm. He, he. But he always had a reputation of doing that kind of stuff. He'd always find no matter what it was, it was broken. It could be the most obscure, tiny thing on the under. <laughs> he he would find the one screw that's got the wrong color on the bottom of the glare steel <laughs> panel, facing the wrong way because he just happened to try to be setting up a camera and it went backward. Like that's that's the kind of stuff he would have happen to him. So he was he always he always had something going on. It was it was always a good time. Oh my goodness, that's a great transition into the uh, another question here from Stefan Albers. Uh, I, I think he means how far along is Smart Cars, and I don't yes. know in what context, but uh, if you could provide an update there. Oh man, I don't think anybody has the amount of time for me to get on the soapbox about <laughs> Smart Cars, but I will I will try to condense this down into something we actually have time for. So. Uh, <laughs> The reason we've actually been a little slow too on the MD11 is uh, myself and Fabio are helping to lead the end of the development on Smart Cars 3. So that should answer your question uh, as far as how far out it is. It is not very far at all. Um, we have a tentative date within the next 30 days internally when we're going to begin alpha testing. 
uh, right. which oh. will precede beta testing by weeks or less, we anticipate. So Smart Cars 3, I'll give you the, the short little rundown. I've just been excited to give somebody this explanation. We did <laughs> with Smart Cars 3. We, we, it's not a program anymore. We, we got, it, is a pro, oh, it is a program that you run on your desktop, but that's not all it is. We wanted to make something that was basically maintainable by everyone, not just us. Because oh. the, the limitation with Smart Cars 2 is although it did some things at the time, it's old, it is old as dirt now comparatively, and we do know that it is lacking some of the UI styling and, and features that have become standard now. It, it lacks, but at the time, it was cutting edge. And Smart Cars 2, when it was new, did a lot of really cool things for the VA community that had never been seen and did them Absolutely. better. But it had, a, it had a limited scope, and it there was things within its purview it did really, really well. And it basically said blankly, absolutely not blinder vision to everything other than those couple of items. And that made it an extremely effective tool for what it was fit for, but useless for everything else and completely closed down and locked. So that created issues for some of our customers where they would want to do these really cool things with VAs where they would have different divisions or do you know, dispatching or do whatever it is. And it left our customers basically having to decide, do I want this cool feature or do I want native smart car support? And we set out with Smart Cars 3 to eliminate that question. And we succeeded. Smart Cars wow. 3 has a plugin system, which at a glance, so do a lot of other things. All of the things that you're going to use in Smart Cars, with the exception of like the radio player and the login and like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. all of your core stuff, your booking, your flight tracking, your chat, all of these things are plugins. They're made by us, oh. but a third party developer has the same level of access to edit smart cars as we did when we made the chat. Mm. Oh, wow. So the idea being, and the, and the deployment process now is there is none. So as a client, you purchase and you have it. There is no building. There's no waiting. There's none of that. And as a developer, you can upload and deploy your plugin to all of our smart cars users with one button. Oh, wow. Wow. Holy cow. So you, you can have a web a lot application. Of thought and work into this, man. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I tasked uh, Giorgio and TN are the, the devs responsible for the plugin system. And I want to give them their public credit where it deserved, where it is deserved because I set them out with the task years ago. Now I about two years and said, look, I want this application to be cross. Oh, and the best part with some minor tweaks, it'll be Mac and Linux compatible. Wow. We got to That's mention huge. that one. So we have created a system Ooh. that is that ideally we will never, there should never be a smart cars for not because it won't update, but because it will continuously improve itself through our, own, right. through our own additions. And let's say TFDI decides in five years, okay, we're not going to update smart cars anymore, which is a possibility. Things end eventually. We were still up to support it, right? But in five years, we might say, okay, we're done making plugins. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the community is. We'll still, we'll still run it and update it and make sure that you know, the servers are there and like that it's it being supported. But nothing stops a VA in five years from developing their own completely custom set of tools. Or... Taking half of because we're going to open source a good chunk of our first party plugins just so other developers can see what we did and how. We're, of course, going to have documentation and all that and, and videos. We're, we're planning a whole campaign. I don't want to show too much of my hand yet, but we have a whole campaign planned to help educate about this plugin system and encourage people to, to get involved and, and make it theirs, really make it theirs, not just tweak some settings. But the thing is, five years from now, nothing stops a VA or a flying community. And that's the thing is, I also want everybody to be thinking bigger here, not just VAs. Let's let's. I'm I'm going to leave it at that. But there's a there are big big goals for smart cars um, over the next couple of years, and we're starting by making it like I said something that anybody can bend into a tool that suits their exact needs 
without having to redo any of the stuff that we've already done. So you take full advantage of our chat, our logging, our cloud storage, our authentication, our security. Take full advantage of all that stuff. Just do what you need for you. Don't have to build anything else. Wow. That We're really is, close now. That that's that's awesome. I think like we've got so we've used so many applications and add-ons and plugins in in the flight sim slash aviation world today. That I think if more developers took that approach, the world would be a happier place. Um, I would, so I would, are our rigs. <laughs> yeah, right. It just takes so much. It takes the burden off of you all to consistently have to release updates for a platform or release mm -hmm. something because you know a new update has come out to uh, a sim that is utilizing that plugin or that platform yep. and you just give and 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 provide a lot more flexibility back into the hands of the consumers or the third-party devs. Uh, that's fantastic, man. That's Because awesome. I, I know right out of the gate, we're going to use it for testing for the MD-11. We're going to make a custom plugin that is for smart cars, specifically for the MD-11. That'll let the testers report mm -hmm. bugs right into our, and probably into a queue for our admins to review or our tech guys to review. But like, we're going to use it like that. And I would have no objection to other developers doing the same. And again, and there's no, you don't have to worry about security. It's your plugin. You know, I'm not looking at your data because it's your code. You just get to host it in our system. Um, and that's, and there's so many things that I can think of it being used for outside of virtual aviation or not, mm -hmm. sorry, not just virtual uh, airlines. They, of course, are our meat and potatoes. That's the people that we're they're aiming to serve as well. But we also want to create something for the pilot that like that, there's going to be a PAX plugin. I would hope to see a Simbri for Navigraph type plugin. Sure. I hope to start Absolutely. seeing these things. Oh my yep. gosh, that'd be so you, amazing. Because I'm imagining this world where you say you're a VA pilot, or you're part of any community, any part of a virtual community of any sort, right? Mm -hmm. And my, my, my vision for this is to have it that you open smart cars and you have a bespoke experience because, the, because two things can happen. The airline can install plugins on their side that you see that modify how it behaves with them. You as a pilot can install your own that have nothing to do mm -hmm. with the VA. So what I'm imagining happening is that these this environment where you open up smart cars and it's this completely bespoke experience for your community. You're getting all of their features natively right to the application, right the way that it belongs. But then you've also got your own suite of tools that you've selected that might include launchers or programs you use, might include PAX support if you're a PAX user, might include you know other, other platforms, other products that other developers will support. And then this will just be your hub. You'll open smart cars and everything you need is it's right there, there. centralized in one place. Yeah, man, that would be cool. That'd be awesome. That's I would love to see that happen, and we're gonna try to make it that way. We've tried to make it open enough. Like I said, that basically, if if we couldn't do it during the development with the plugins, then we made it possible. We didn't just use source access to fix it. With the exception, of, again, obviously, certain security things we would we would have to do on our, like again login. So anybody listening who's security conscious, no passwords <laughs> or anything are ever given out. That kind of stuff is locked down. And all of the plugins, we have a verification system. If they're not personally verified by us first party, uh, it warns you before anybody else's code runs. And you have to say, like, yes, I see who it is. Mm. So it's we've thought about security well, cool. on these things. So yeah. nothing is no code that you're not aware of is ever running. You know all the time who and it will say even if it's an organization, like it may list TFDI design. But when you click it, it'll tell you which one of us specifically uploaded it. So you'll mm. there's there's that accountability. So mm. there we're, we're taking steps to make sure that we're not promoting an environment that allows that any type of unsafety here, right? Obviously, right. Mm. like you're like is the case with any sort of third party plugin, you always have a little bit of inherent risk that you, you know you want to trust the author. 
but our system will show you reviews from like ratings from people that have installed it. Um, it shows how many people have used it. It'll show how long it's, you know, when it was updated last. It'll show you who uploaded it and on behalf of what company. So you've got a lot of accountability there too. Mm-hmm. So it's, like I said, but the idea is we're trying to promote this environment that, you know, we, we think that smart cars can be an amazing platform when it's maintained by a thousand developers instead of 10. You know, there may only be 10 of us mm-hmm. or five of us who worked on it. But, you know, the thousands of people in the community can do a lot more together than we ever could as just five of us. Oh, absolutely. oh, wow. Too cool. And in terms of because uh, it sounds like, you know, the backhaul will be, of course, servers and uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, cloud based functionality as well. Will there be uh, any sort of re uh, subscription based service yes. for that? OK. Yeah. So it, Smart Cars currently has a, a two different licensing models as a, as a VA or community owner. You can purchase a I don't know what I would like what how I want to describe the license. You, you purchase kind of like an organization license mm-hmm. that gives you then the ability to give out the basic version of smart cars to all of your pilots for free on behalf mm-hmm. of your community. So it, in the past, it was $70 one time. You paid it up front. You got a license for smart cars too. It was lifetime and you could give it out. Now the pilot, what th- that license that they got as a pilot to use for free does not include all the, the cloud stuff on the pilot side. Anything that the VA needed, it's, it includes. They, it had all of their stuff right out of the gate. But then some of the pilot client features like in, in smart cars three, uh, it, and they're subscription based. So as a, as a pilot, you could pay four dollars a month, and you got access to our mobile app, and uh, cloud flight backups, and uh, flight monitoring. So if you ever happen to be alt tabbed out or away from your computer, and your autopilot freaks out and flips your plane over, smart cars will catch that, pause your sim, and notify your phone. Mm-hmm. Wow! So Jeez. It, and we are doing similar things and more in in three. So the mobile app in, in two was admittedly kind of lackluster. But in, mm-hmm. in Smart Cars 3, the mobile app, you'll be able to log in. You'll be able to book flights for your VA and view your Pyreps and all that stuff straight from the Smart Cars mobile app. You'll be able to chat from it. And this is all free. You'll be able to do all that stuff for free. The paid stuff then takes it even further. The paid stuff, you're literally going to be able to have a real-time PFD on your, on your phone. You'll be able to scrub through your flight and see a vertical profile chart of exactly wow. what you've done. Like wow. down to the minute of any flight you've done in Smart Cars Premium. So you could a VA owner could go back and look at a flight and basically perform a check ride with this system because you'll see the blue brown, you'll see their altitude and vertical profile and a moving mm-hmm. map. Yeah, I loved smart cars when I used it for back when I used to fly with virtual airlines. It was, I think, part of what made flying with the virtual airline fun. <laughs> um, That's it, awesome it was, to hear. Yeah, it was a fantastic tool. Um, you know, provided a lot of flexibility. And to your point, I used it very often when I had to s- step away from the sim um, to go take care of something and be able to monitor that uh, mobility, uh, m- mobily yes. uh, was was uh, was very intuitive and, and awesome. So it's good to hear that uh, even more features are coming uh, with this next iteration. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Like I said, we'll, next week, you'll probably see a lot of content from us as we start getting ready to start the roll up for release on that you'll you'll see a lot more from us about it cool and i'm i'm in the background here preparing those screenshots for you guys i i did see the request yeah yeah just let (laughs) us know when you're ready to to show it up in in the interim we've uh so yeah let's take care of some housekeeping how's that so first of all thank you all for uh for joining us today we really appreciate it checking out Mm -hmm. close traffic podcast we're live here with uh, obviously colin and members of uh his team in the chat as as well and you know, for the last, gosh, almost hour now, we've been walking through the MD-11 and some of the things that's coming down the pike there for the uh, for the TFDI team. 
Uh, appreciate the support. Uh, number one, you guys heard a lot about um, uh, Houston and uh, Flight Sim Expo. Uh, we will be there as a team. Uh, Close Shop Podcast will be there. Uh, you heard Colin mention that uh, he and TFDI will be there as well. Uh, definitely, if you have not registered yet, go and check out fsexpo.com, I believe is the exact uh, website. But if not, uh, you can check out uh, um, closetravelpodcast.com, and we have a link directly to the Expo registration. In addition to that, uh, don't forget to use our code closetravelpodcast for 10% off uh, your registration. It's going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it. Lots of new things um, that, uh, you know, the team the FS Expo team hasn't necessarily done in the past. Uh, so it, it's going to be pretty exciting. We've heard some <clears throat> really cool things that are coming from other developers as well um, about what they're showcasing and, and based on, on and based on some other product releases that they're going to be talking to. So definitely check it out. It's going to be uh, a, a good time. It is Houston in the summer. So I'll take that for what you will. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> outside, outside of that, it's uh, don't roll your ass, man. You know exactly. Or like it's that about. hot. Get out of here, bro. <laughs> you'll, you'll melt stepping off the the jetway. But oh, other than good. that, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a really good here time. Go. Sorry, Johnny. Not all of us live degrees. in. Uh, <laughs> not all of us live in the uh, humidity <laughs> and uh, are used to it uh, all My. day, every day. But yeah, um, so good. that's what I wanted to share with you all. And I definitely appreciate you all stopping by. It's always a great time too. We've we've done a whole bunch of these expos, and mm-hmm. we we are happy we do it every single time. So if you're on the fence, this is your push. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and all then, right. uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, um, no. One thing I was uh, uh, going to uh, going to add as well uh, regarding expo. Um, definitely uh, take the opportunity to, for some earlier flights, as with. Houston being in the summer, there tends to be a lot of weather-related phenomenon. So, um, if you have the opportunity to get an earlier flight there, you know it will it will probably be in one's best interest to take advantage of that because yeah, that the weather does get kind of janky in Houston in the summer. So, yeah. go. call out from our good buddy, uh, commercial pilot, oh. aka Check Ride Johnny. Oh, <laughs> Examiner Mike. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stefan says, "Are you good?" Yeah, we do plan on doing something live there. So we we haven't exactly worked out the the details quite yet. Uh, but uh, we are we will be set up with equipment to either record a podcast at the very least, uh, but definitely aiming to uh, to do a live podcast uh, there from Expo. So stay tuned. Oh, can I get a photo bomb you? Absolutely. Get a whole team behind you guys while you're talking. You know, that, that, <laughs> that would be awesome. Actually, we would love. No, that. I'm good. I'm not inviting myself to your uh, your podcast. I'm just. I couldn't resist <laughs> the opportunity to uh, make the photo bomb joke. <laughs> oh no! You're, you're That'd be awesome. Everyone's invited to our podcast. Are you kidding me? It's gonna be a good time. <laughs> Get the whole room uh, gathered exactly. around. Exactly. Whole room. will have mics set up everywhere. That'd be pretty cool. Be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we, there's some things coming. I can't say Excellent. quite yet, uh, you know, how, you know, other folks are working through structure that um, with us and, and whatnot, but uh, it's, it's going to be a good time. Uh, Alex also mentioned you can drive from Austin. So there's that as well. It's a three hour okay. drive. It's not terrible. So that's not, um, we've done worse for these shows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you can definitely uh, uh, look into that as well. Oh my! Any, I know Josh. If he's uh, listening, Josh Riley is listening. Uh, we did the Cosford show one year, 
and i oh, oh so, no way. yes and uh for some reason i seem to be allergic to booking direct flights <laughs> so because i shop i had I, a hard I, time from atlanta man well i shop by price right so because you know we're looking because oh, you, you got to think of my scale i'm sending if i'm sending five guys at an average of 1800 a, a flight oh, yeah. think about how quick that adds up right yep. so you know saving 10 or 15 percent on the flights over the course of five or six people makes a huge difference absolutely so we do tend to we typically have lower uh quality flights on the super long range ones like that and mine i flew from tampa to jfk i think jfk to london luton and then had to fly no either that or gatwick or something I had to fly from there i think to heathrow wow or, it was it, i know it was somewhere we came in i think no i think it was actually the other way around i think we came in flew into heathrow and we we're supposed to fly to birmingham and then back to gatwick and then drive to cost or some some weird like you're gonna do some awful zigzag it didn't make sense <laughs> and we got there and, and, and me and my girlfriend was with us at the time. Um, and so me, Brianna, my dad was actually working with J just from radio as well at the time. So it was, oh, wow. there's a couple of us. Um, and I'm, and I'm on the phone with Josh. I'm like, Josh, we, we have like another four and a half hours of flying. And he's like, <laughs> he tells me it's a, like a three and a half hour drive by car. And I'm looking at my itinerary. I'm like, then how am I spending four hours flying? If I could drive it in less time. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm in, a, in another country. We're going to need a car anyway, because I've got like seven people coming to this show and we have all this gear. I'm like, so I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to rent the car. And then we did. And we drove it for four straight hours from like downtown, from like London, all the way to the, uh, the Cosford area. Wow. Straight wow. shot. And so at least it was better than my first time driving in England, where I, I may or may not have taken a roundabout into oncoming traffic. That's <laughs> <laughs> not uh, hard to do there, I've heard. So. Big Ben, man, the stick is on. My, I drive stick normally, but the stick is on the other side. On the other side. That is weird, man. My left hand should not be shifting. This is—I don't know about that, man. That just doesn't feel comfortable to me. I hear. I know they say the same thing when they come here, but still, <laughs> it's not definitely natural. different. It is different. Um, uh, we've got some additional questions in the chat. Let's see. Uh, I've got those pictures and everything ready, by the way. Okay. I think the one question before we go to there, you might've addressed it already. Uh, will there be another round of MD 11 collectors editions? No, probably not. Uh, the part of the reason that the exclusive, the, the exclusivity is part of the value. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people, I knew people that got up early or, you know, raced home from work or stayed up late or whatever to get their hands on one of those thousand. Right. And I think we owe it to them. It would be if I was in their shoes and I, you know, took time away from something else or, you know, got up at three in the morning, whatever it was. And then the company three months later decided, yeah, you'll just sell another thousand of them. I would feel a little ripped off. I would I would that would feel like a money grab to me. And I'm not really one to throw words like that around. So mm -hmm. that would bother me a lot. And as a result, we're not going to do that, even though I know there are a lot of people who would love to support it. And I would love to see have a copy. I owe it to the people that have invested in us already not to devalue by adding any more to that that stock count yep no that's fair that that, that mm -hmm. i think that makes sense um all right cool uh whenever you are ready colin uh so how do i how do you want me to send these what's the easiest way for me to do that? oh you oh, can just present share. from the bottom oh i could okay cool there should be cool. an option there that just says present and then you choose the screen okay let me do that so I'm going to give a warning about these. These are all in SIM and MSFS. Also, I'm going to, I will see if I can show one of our previews in the collector's chat. Um, Fabio, actually, Fabio, if you're still tuned in, 
can you get us one from the MD11 and MSFS with the screens working? Because I want to show people that we do actually have real code working in MSFS. You don't just have to take my word for it anymore. <laughs> um, I do want to show that, and I'm not sure if he's if he's still around, but uh, I'll pull one up from the archive if not. Let me see if I can do this. Here we go. I can present a video or slides. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm learning here. Oh, yeah. All right. And yeah, we're gonna definitely gonna share a window. And uh, Fabio, just let me know he's he's taking care of it now, so he'll be. We'll have some of those. So here are some. So it, it's a little shiny. It's a little shiny because we are still editing material settings. So don't worry about that. This is more just showing you the general uh, geometry. Okay, I guess I'm going the wrong way. There we go. Showing you the general geometry and the look. And I'll, we'll oh. we'll post these after the uh, the show so you can take a longer look at them. I'm oh, too cool. Going through quick. Here's some from the cabin. Ooh. So that's. Uh, Aaron did a great job with this. This was a last-minute addition. Again, this is also an MSFS. Uh, this was a last-minute addition for us, kind of because we saw Phoenix and others do it. I've mm -hmm. al I've always thought virtual cabins were cool. They're completely pointless, but awesome. <laughs> it does nothing for the simulation, right? Nothing I about flying the plane has to do with the cabin. Yep. But there was just something cool about knowing that it's back there. Yes, yep. it's awesome. I have the immersion. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to grab some of the screenshots now. So the, the screenshots I'm going to show you now, the they are also from MSFS, but they are in a neon pink cockpit with a PFD with the uh, blue missing. So I'm showing you guys this stuff. These are very, very much work in progress, but I'm just showing you that we do indeed have working MSFS stuff. I'm trying to figure out the easiest way to get them into there oh, now. No worries. But in the meantime, no it would be a nice cockpit shot to stare at while I uh, <laughs> if I can find something. That no, really no. That one. Maybe that no one. worries there. Oh, yeah, that's gorgeous. I don't know. It's just something about the MD-11 and the McDonald Douglas, Douglas cockpit um, uh, format and logic that's really alluring to me even the 717 it's just like even going back to the md80 you know a lot of those innuisms kind of show themselves even in the md11 i just i've always just been just been a huge fan of that and it's a you know it's it's, it's a little different from the you know airbuses <clears throat> Boeing, there we go. You know, the <laughs> traditional Boeing. Mike right? thought we was so. going to go through one show without saying something. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been crapping on my Airbus. I know. No. Hey, oh, I was yeah. in it today, man. I ain't crapping on it. Yeah, <laughs> no. I can give you guys a preview. So we were talking about the hydraulics. You can actually mm -hmm. see what we're talking about. These these lines showing the green. This is such mm -hmm. a minor thing. The seven one seven also had these lines, but how mm -hmm. it derived them was so different. The MD-11 actually basically reads, do I sense something in this line? And if so, draw it green. Wow. Uh, that's how our wow. code is structured. So we fix it in the hydraulic system, and the display is automatically correct. There is no like fixing it in both places. And a lot of them are like this. Like The code for this, when you see the little A in, this, in the, the pump, there's basically code that says, is the right center engine pump, like what is the state of the right engine center pump? And based on that, then we draw the A. There's no wow. A said everything is done that that layer of abstraction. You can so see even that. Like this the, is, like the valve positions? Yeah. So we could um the NRMP I didn't bother to simulate the actual actuation of the valve, although it would be mm -hmm. easy. It would be really easy to do because the way the code is laid out. Mm -hmm. But um you could you can actually have if you have an an NRMP failure, you could have a disagree between the commanded position and the uh 
the pump oh, itself wow. if the Holy pump God. fails or were to leak or something like that and doesn't do what it's supposed to do which can happen you can you mm-hmm. can enable that failure and then that puts it in the list oh, of things neat. that could happen to you wow so, yeah. there's but i wanted to touch on that you can see again the, the pink the, the pink was before this the pink was as we were working on getting it set up to look like this so I'm really, really happy to be able to show them together because this is this is what the collector's chat has been seeing. So anybody mm-hmm. watching, you don't feel left out. The collector's chat, because it's a smaller controlled group of people with a vested interest in the project, I've had the ability to communicate much more clearly with them and be able to say, look, these things look like we're going backward. Please take my word on it or not. We're gonna, mm-hmm. But we've said to them, like, we're going to show you what development is really like. And development is not a straight line from start to finish. It, no. it is this. It, it you average toward completion, but you have forward backs, ups and downs all mm-hmm. over the place. And we're showing that to the collector's channel a lot more than we are to the public. Cause I don't, I don't want people that I can't speak to directly to explain where we are to see this and go, Oh my God, why is it pink? They're never going to finish this thing and freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what, and it's reasonable. It would be reasonable. If you were scrolling oh, through Facebook sure. and just saw that, you would be like, what, what the what crap the are they this? doing? <laughs> yeah, you, you would be justifiably concerned. But anybody that's tuned in, I want to make sure that I comment. That's why it's part of the main reason that we're being we're able to be more communicative with the collectors chat. A, I feel like we owe it to them. They have paid for something already. And B, it, it being a small group, I can make sure that the information is not lost in translation and we're not playing telephone with it. Um, yeah, it's harder to absolutely. do that when I'm when I'm talking to fifty thousand people. A thousand is, is easier. Not that our Discord is, is that big, that'd be amazing. But it's in general, you know, if we <laughs> if we post something on Facebook and, and blast it, it ends up everywhere eventually absolutely that makes sense uh saul says you trying to say the md is better than the airbus there's no point even arguing about this because if you had a venn diagram with boeing on the left and airbus on the right mcdonald douglas is right in the middle yeah, yeah. they are yeah, that yeah. they're the overlap of the venn diagram exactly so, yeah. there i don't even see an argument to be had here you like Airbus, Airbus. You like Boeing, you like Boeing. You fly Boeing. Yep. You like both, fly the MD-11. Yep. <laughs> exactly. If you hate both or like both, the MD-11. You could hate it twice as bad, for all I know. But <laughs> hey, I just like airplanes. <laughs> I don't care what they are. No. I never understood the hate. I've flown both over the years. Thank I've got, I've bought add-ons for both. I've got I would buy happily the 330 from SFS right now, and mm-hmm. I would happily buy the 777 just as fast. Ooh, oh, absolutely. I don't really like. I love both, I, and I think I will say flying on them though. That's a different argument. As a passenger, mm-hmm. I will yeah, argue yeah. with you about them as a passenger. Yep, and that's where sort of I digress from there because I don't know how you feel, Colin, but the Airbus is leaps and bounds a lot, uh, a lot more comfortable as a passenger, in my opinion. I've flown transatlantic on the 330 and the 340 and also on the 57 and 777. And I can say that with confidence, I had a, a more enjoyable ride as an Airbus passenger, both or all of those times. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you got to give credit where, where, where credit's due, right? And it's, it's just, uh, I just, uh, I give Mike crap because he just, <laughs> as he just rolls his eyes, Airbus for the win. <laughs> yeah. But, and then, I, and I think, you know, again, I, I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses as far as indeed pure cycles, the amount of cycles, you know, a lot of Boeing aircraft get thrown at, you know, they continue to run to me as is, is, is a testament. Um, 
you know, uh, Airbus based on their design and the materials that were used in their design, you know, tends to um, allure to, you know, certain, you know, structural issues. But, you know, as from a passenger perspective, and I can say that because I got a, I have about 14,000 miles in about, I don't know, four weeks. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> so, I thought yeah. that you were going to say a lifetime. I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm probably pretty close to that no, this, like, this year. Been, He's like yeah. this week. Yeah, it's been, this I've guy's been, been all over the place, man. Yeah, this yeah, it's been like yeah, it's been a week. Um, Jet set Johnny's what they call it. <laughs> oh man, um, but yeah, I, I would say from a passenger passenger perspective, Airbus by far. Um, it's just, I mean, that's just the reality, you know. And for some reason, I always find myself on the seven three eight, you know, just you know, dang it. But then again, you know, I love the MDA, but you know, there were certain certain areas in the passenger compartment where you know they tended to be a little uncomfortable. So you know, I don't know. I guess that's kind of where you know, yeah, love hate relationship kind of comes from. You know, from an engineering perspective, you know, I. I, you know, the, the design of, you know, Boeing aircraft, they, they build a very robust airplane, you know, in my opinion. Um, but from a passenger perspective, I think that's where, you know, um, a lot of carriers really gravitate to, um, to Airbus because one, you know, of course, cockpit commonality and, you know, the fact mm. that, you know, they're, the it's a very efficient logic that they utilize, but also it's just, you know, passengers like them. Right. So, Yes. Um, you know, I give, I, I like I said, I got, I, I give, I give Mike a lot of crap, but you know, it's, 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 it's all in good. It's all in good. Uh, it's all in good sport. It's all in good sport. So I'm glad we're recording this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Mark the time. We'll we're back to it later. Mark the, mark the time. time. Like you, uh, you quoted uh, Colin's first appearance earlier mark today. The time, <laughs> uh, and then I'll also mark the date when you, uh, when you send that MD 11. So. <laughs> oh, oh man touche I'll, I'll be waiting yeah touché. we were talking about touché wanting indeed. to do a launch party like getting everybody in oh, that would be awesome. that'd be awesome because you know we I, so something i've heard from other dev studios and this this isn't even really a flight something this is a game thing what i've heard of, mm -hmm. of other big like triple a studios will do is they may run up to a release right because it, it's stressful it is very very oh, stressful sure. running up to a release so what I've heard of them doing is running up to the release and finishing. Let's say they're ready to go. Like they on, on Tuesday, they're like, okay, it's done. It's we signed, sealed, delivered, gold master. I've mm -hmm. heard them then saying, okay, guys, you're all off till Monday. Enjoy your week. Yep. And then they come back Monday, release it, and then they let it hit the fan because inevitably it always does. <laughs> so, and, and I'm, I'm of two opinions there because part of me doesn't want to create an artificial delay that people could be enjoying the product with. Mm -hmm. But then the other part of me also thinks, okay, that could be time for the devs to genuinely rest, for the support team to prepare, and for us to really, as devs, to hype it up and enjoy the release with you. Because mm -hmm. the 717's release was an absolute train wreck. From, like, from an administrative standpoint, not only did we experience a lot of technical challenges just with the servers throughout the day, but even, like, we, of course, knowing now, I mean, I was 19 when that plane came out, for what it's worth, so I, I, I had a lot to learn. <laughs> but we thought we were prepared. Uh, we were definitely very wrong. And we spent that whole day, rather than being excited and having fun and, you know, working with the community and seeing people getting excited about the product, we spent the whole day putting out fires and fixing stuff last minute under some of the highest stress a dev can be under, really. Um, and it, it was, it turned what should have, it was still a great day, but it turned it into much more of a job than it was supposed to be. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I've thought this time about doing it differently. Obviously, the whole release date thing, we are further along in the MD-11 than we were in the 717 when we promised a date. 
Um, hmm. And even now, like I said, it's even the release expectations are estimates. The only, we will definitely have it to the, the pre-sale people long before we give it out to the public. Uh, we have to. But um, when exactly, again, we want to make sure the product's good. But I do think we might do that. We might take a couple of days, de-stress, get our guys ready to handle the day one support, and, and actually spend time with the community, flying the pre-sale, you know, with the pre-sale, for sure. if, it's, if it's a main release or if it's a pre-sale release, doing it with the community. I think that'd be really fun. And I, I can see that. I would love that to have you guys be part of something like that as well. I can see it being a whole, the whole community kind of together to get excited about it. Oh, for sure. Indeed. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. be there. Bells on. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> we'll, we'll even drag Mike into it. <laughs> drag me. You don't have to drag. I'll be there, man. I will be there, front and center. Front oh, and center. I just had a random thought, by the way. Oh I, yes, Mike. I think it might have been you mm-hmm. um, that told me about the PAX issue with the 4K screen in the last stream. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want Whoa. you to know we have looked into this. It is still on our board. I didn't forget no, about you. We have no, tried. We've not been able to recreate it, but we didn't just forget about it. It's still on there. I went to another monitor. I, don't, I think this is a 4K monitor. I don't even remember. It's, it might be 1440. I haven't had the issue since I switched monitors. Okay. So that's why I, I think I forgot about it or closed the ticket or something. But so um, It, it might have just been that, man. It could have been the combination of that, been. the drivers, that monitor, that that install yeah. of Windows, everything all together. It was really weird. And so no one else is, uh, you haven't had a ticket for that from anyone? <laughs> I think. <laughs> Don't figure. We've got five digits <laughs> of tax users, and I think once, one other customer, one time reported it. Huh. So, you know, you're you're a sub 0.01% of, of the population having this insane. problem. And it's. Yeah. I, we wanted to fix it, but I just remembered. I don't know what what brought that back up to my uh, attention just now. We were talking about this recently as we were we were doing some administrative stuff, and I saw that issue come up. I'm like, huh? I'm like, funny. We were just talking about this, <laughs> and now I'm going to be on the show with these guys. No, yeah, I I've, been, I've, I've been uh, I've been using it with this monitor now for I've been using Pax this monitor for six months. Okay. Five months? No. Never sorry. had that problem About again. Four or five months. I have never had that issue again. Yeah. Hmm. Now, here's the other weird thing that happened, though, soon after. Not again, not with this monitor. So I don't know if it was the monitor thing, but the um, the custom announcements that you could make with packs, mm-hmm. it stopped working. Every time I would click that, it would just revert to a, one of the default captain or uh, FO announcements. That's, so that's I don't know the if that was settings. tied to it. I tried different mics. Say like again, nothing worked until nothing worked until I switched my monitor. It was the weirdest thing. That is the weirdest thing. No, you know what it is. Sometimes too, like those monitors will have like audio the settings on them. They'll like, they'll have a uh, speakers and stuff built in, and it'll reset whenever you update your drivers. It happens to me every time. It resets all my audio settings to uh, the, the the monitor. So if there's something wrong with that monitor, that's possible. Or if you have like Nahim. I don't know. I don't want to like. There's nothing wrong with the software, but like the Nahimix software, like the Alienware audio management software, we've had a really yeah. hard time with those. They just they wreak havoc on audio software, or like yeah, even even if, like even Windows speech recognition. Like we're not even doing what they're doing. We're just trying to use your mic, and it won't let us do it if it's running. If you close that software, reopen packs, works fine. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah, no, I've I've got. Uh, I think I'm using MSI, my new computer here as well. Um, Again, never had an issue up until shortly after that uh, that lag issue with the four. Again, I changed monitors, and I haven't had an issue with packs at all since. So. Good. I mean, that's that's always good news. Yep. Yep. Excellent. 
Too cool. Yeah, Mike. Um, you know, I think uh, I think the moral of the story is, man, we're just, we're just glad we got rid of that janky monitor. <laughs> it does sound like by that. the way i keep saying yeah. monitor but it was a 4k 50 inch samsung television all right so well, well there you go it wasn't even like <laughs> yeah repurposed as a monitor it was no re- re- <laughs> i just repurposed it for another television in the other room uh the house but yeah i don't know it was weird very weird i don't blame you i've been thinking about i, I wish i had the space to build a home cockpit oh man oh what me a- and you both I, I mean, that they're they're very expensive too, and I think I'd have a hard uh, the amount of money that they are to do right. Yeah, to buy yeah. that is to build them. You just I'm I, you know I've been a programmer for a long time, but I think I lack some of the hardware engineering skill. To, There's to a lot really... that goes into There's it. There's a lot no, goes into sure. it. The, the biggest setback for me, or sort of holdback for me, has been like I love to fly a variety of different planes. Yes. So yeah. It would be in. hard. Yeah, it would be hard for me to just lie. As much as I love Airbus, as my everyone that has been on the show before or have listened to us, Johnny and Charlie know that they're hands down my favorite uh, uh, aircraft out there. Any Airbus series, particularly three twenty one. Mm-hmm. If I built a three twenty one, I would get sick of it. I think. Yeah. Because and I love to. I love variety in the sim. And that, that's one of the greatest advantages of these sims, right? Is you can do anything, anywhere, yep. anytime. And Absolutely. By, by making it into a home version of a level D sim, you make it more expensive, <laughs> cumbersome, and eliminate one of the advantages of a home sim. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Not to mention the amount of Hobbs time spent, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like old type oh, reading. Old type uh, reading. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've thought about it, just building a shell. And, you know, because I figured, okay, maybe because maybe you guys think, what do you think about this? What about like a middle ground? Because I thought about doing this, where mm-hmm. you know, get some get some wood, get some you know, plastic, whatever you kind of you need, and build a shell that is like in the style of a commercial airliner, but just mm-hmm. built yourself mounts mm-hmm. where you can put a throttle or a yoke or a joystick or you know, and then you got MCP panels. Yeah, basically build yourself a modular cockpit that so without. Because what I'm thinking is get USB hubs and, you know, mount them in certain places yep. where it's really easy. Because then what I'm thinking is you have this one thing with a power plug and a USB plug. Mm-hmm. You plug this whole giant contraption into USB hor- uh, port, plug the power into one power source, and you've got strips mm-hmm. and hubs in the whole setup mm-hmm. where you can just slide in your, you know, you want to go Airbus, uh-huh. cool, you pull out your yoke, slide yeah. in your stick, you plug into the hub, and you're ready to go. That that would be That's awesome. That's a good idea. I've oh. never thought about that. Yeah. I, you I've still need seen... the space, but. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen one cockpit set up to where it was all like touch display. So like the overhead panel was Ooh. touch display. Um, like the the glare, like everything in glare shield was touch. Now I know you're kind of lacking the tactile feedback, but I mean it's like you know as long that's as the software option work, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's well, that's just an drag and drop sure. monitors that uh, right. Sorry, drop drag and drop uh, PFDs and NDs wherever you need them. Yeah, or if it's GA, you, you know your Garmin units, wherever you need it. Yeah, that would that'd be cool too. And especially, um, I'm thinking if you put in like tactile, like sounds and things, like, maybe not tactile feedback, but if you had sounds and other things when you press them, even if it was soft, if the screen vibrated and you heard a click when you moved it, mm-hmm. that would still feel somewhat engaging to interact with. Not the same. Wouldn't have the same satisfaction as click. Definitely. Right, but right. Yeah. If, you know, you reach up and you poke it and you still feel something. You know you got it. You heard it. So you get that that tech that mechanical feedback. Or yeah. What your brain's gonna perceive is mechanical feedback that it moved. I guess cool what, what you can't do though is you can't be flying, type it in the MCDU and find it. Just 
and you, right. you know, the landing yeah, lights, right? You feel right. that switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you can easily just pull the landing lights back up without even looking at it, because you know what they feel like. You know where they are. Right. That's the yeah. one thing you lose, I guess, with, with an all, all soft interface. But I do think that is probably the mm-hmm. most effective as far as being yeah. reusable. If you need that That's flexibility, right. absolutely. Luke just Scott brought up a good point. You could, if you built a, a generic Airbus sim, you have uh, the ability to use it across, you know, all different Airbus uh series that's true, true. yeah series yeah mm-hmm. so yeah you could yeah you could have an a318 through 30 mm-hmm. sim in one cockpit yep that's true mm-hmm. speaking of which colin i know you mentioned uh previously that uh you've have you've had you have had the opportunity to um partake in a, in a little simming what have you been flying film i'm asking i have been pretty much exclusively the pmdg 737 in mm. msfs yep I am a Southwest fan through and through. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I I stuck with them. I'm still a fan despite their apparently archaic software. I hope that they <laughs> fix that. Because that's not that's not acceptable that we're doing. I, and if they start doing that kind of thing regularly, I'm gonna have to fly with somebody else. But, um, but no, I've, I've been a huge fan of Southwest. I've got a lot of great memories with my family and, and things mm-hmm. from when uh, from years past. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm a Southwest guy, and I uh, I figured what better way to break in MSFS than the 737. Absolutely, absolutely. And as far as Southwest software, I think they moved the abacus in another room. What he thought about that entire like holiday uh, operational meltdown, un- unfortunate meltdown with them. Did that change your opinion or sentiment about Southwest at all? I, you know, I really I don't quite understand exactly what happened. I know that they had a, a ton of flights because this happened kind of back to back. Or yes. at least in the same time period as the FAA wide mm-hmm. uh, NOTAM ground stop, yeah. and I thought they were two. I thought they were the same event at first. I didn't real. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're related to each other or what. So if someone can help me understand exactly what happened, then I'd give you my opinion. Super high level. I'm not an expert in this either, but very super high level. Essentially, they are utilizing a uh, or lack thereof. Uh, uh, their operation system is a bit outdated. Okay. Um, so the system that major airlines or airlines in general anyone doing some sort of any sort of commercial aviation ops so your part uh 141 keep me honest here johnny part 91 those folks utilize some sort of systems to understand where their aircrafts and where their personnel are at any given time okay Um, and essentially southwest has been utilizing um a very old outdated um software that hasn't grown or expanded with the operations of the airline over the last several decades um, okay. and the unfortunate part about that was it was brought to leadership for decades about this particularly ticking time bomb that was never addressed and it reared its ugly head after a uh winter storm i think the week or two weeks prior right it was just like you mentioned one thing building up after another that sort of put them uh, in, into that uh, unfortunate circumstance and impacted a lot of their consumers. But I, again, a lot of a lot of folks. Listen, we we've you know we're we're good buddies with uh, some Southwest pilots out there. Um, of course, Big Earn has been on the show with us for a while uh, a while back, and I think those of you that follow social media or know of him know he's a great guy. And you know he even came on on behalf of Southwest, like he was the CEO or face of Southwest, but taking that pride. In right, his employer and 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 what he does uh, and how he serves customers came out and sort of you know issued an apology, quite frankly, um, and mm-hmm. talked about what are the things that they're looking to do 
to improve that going forward. So no knocking them on all that. I was just curious as to, you know, sort of your, your overall sentiment about them since you mentioned, right, you've been a longtime customer and you sort of have that historical context with them. And, and I would say my, my experience with them. So I'll give you the whole backstory. I've got a, I've got a silly history with Southwest. Um, I'll give you the whole backstory, but my, my opinion of, of an, of a company these days is kind of twofold because I think, especially, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if the culture is quite this dramatic in other places, but I know at least in America there, you kind of have real people and corporate. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't mean to use it that way because I'm corporate, right? So of course, I mean, I, I am myself on, on the, the negative side of that, that table. But when I'm out and about, if I'm dealing with, let's say my phone provider and for, you know, legal reasons, I'm not going to say who um, I've, but I've had, I've had some, absolutely fantastic experiences with their, their in-person staff. They treat me like I'm like I'm their friend when I go in there and they're super personable and friendly and I can tell they genuinely want to do a good job and help me. Mm-hmm. And then I have been, I have unapologetically had been lied to my face by there's the same, the same company's corporate support staff. And, and I, and I don't say this lightly. I have, a, have a, I, again, can't go into detail, but I have a factual scenario where I can prove I was told information that was known wrong at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how can I say something positive about this company? But on the flip side of that token, I also I'm hesitant. I, I often hold my criticisms because I'm like, there's a lot of good people here too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, and, and Southwest, I've actually had a pretty solid experience with both there. It, it was amazing to me that of all companies that happened to Southwest, because mm-hmm. I've had, mm-hmm. unlike most where it's a mixed bag, where either, you know, remote support is great, but in person they hire cheap or maybe it's the other way around. They hire great local staff or again, but then they outsource their support and it's not the, the, mm-hmm. the caliber that we're expecting. You get a lot of that. The Southwest is one of the few that in my experience has been great all the way around. I go, they, I've been at the airport and they always seem to have a smile on their face. It's always mm-hmm. been a positive experience yeah. being on the planes, dealing with their, their staff all the way from gate agents to, you know, the pilots have always been you know professional and friendly to me. And, even from the corporate side, there's been times I've been on trips, domestic trips, obviously, where I've been stuck. And uh, I had one where I flew out for two days. And let's say I was supposed to fly back Saturday morning. It's like Thursday night at like 10 p.m. And I realized I'm not going to be able to go home yet. We're still working on whatever I'm working on. I have to stay. And I called them at like 11 o'clock at night. And this is 11 o'clock in California. So, you know, it's, it's at least 11 o'clock where they are or later. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm calling them at, you know, 11 o'clock, 2 in the morning here. And they're like, oh, it's all good. Well, we'll, we'll get your flight moved. Like, we're not even going to charge you. Like, they're, they're, it was like a hundred bucks. Like, we're not even going to charge you. It's all good. We, we understand. It's work. I was like, that was wow. amazing. It's, it's just, it's such an amazing level of, of support. They really do treat you like a family a lot of the time. And that's why yeah. they've kept my loyalty, despite maybe not always having the best price anymore or having an issue here and there. Mm-hmm. I, they've gotten so many years of getting me and now my friends, family and employees where they need to be without issue mm-hmm. that I'm like, you know what? Even if you made a really terrible decision in your software, I've made bad decisions that I've had to pay the price for too. <laughs> I get it. Don't yep. don't make it a habit and you won't lose my support. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a great perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, you know, and I, 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 I have to agree with you on that, Colin. Um, I, I did a lot of travel with, uh, with Southwest in the past and again, never had a bad experience, you know, even, uh, of course I'm, uh, you know, uh, I guess at the home of Southwest here at Love Field and, you know, even, you know, all the way from, you know, the gate staff, you know, up to, you know, some of the flight crew. And you can even kind of you just by the way they carry themselves, you know, I'm flying with another carrier now. I was American. And um, you can just 
you know, you, just the the way they carry themselves is just totally different. You know, um, I mean, quite, I mean, some of them a lot of times they don't really feel like they want to be bothered. Let's be honest. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but you know, just never had the issue. So, you know, flight attendants may crack a joke here and there or something yes. like that, and they get you where you need to be. I mean, you talking about a turn, you know, southwest oh, turn. Man. Oh man, <laughs> there's, there's no frills, but they are ruthlessly good at it. Oh man, Absolutely. they are so operationally efficient. Again, that's why it's like this weird conundrum or the, irony you, about that happening to them. You would be <laughs> the king of optimization to yeah. be doing something that. And again, like that, like that taking time bomb. Like we we have some of these at Invernix. They're, they're, they're not quite that large, obviously. You know, right. we're not a we're not a sure. multi, you know, we're not a many billion dollar airline. But we have some of those things that I'm aware of that I'm like, yeah, we're gonna fix. We need to fix this because if I wait five years, this is gonna be a real problem. Right. And we're not right. gonna let it get to five years. <laughs> we're we're looking at these thinking, okay, these are gonna be realistically a problem in three to five years, and they're on the agenda to get fixed in the next one to two. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that's I, I can't believe that an airline that prioritizes its efficiency so much didn't look at that as an inefficiency. Yeah. Because I, I realize, you know, the bottom line typically is is how you look at efficiency, right? But I think about it this way: if maybe it costs me a little more right now, but if in the long term that increases my throughput or my dependability, that translates to income. Yep. If I can promise a hundred percent, if I could have a system that I can promise one hundred percent uptime on. But it costs me ten percent more than the one I only get ninety five percent uptime on. I'm gonna go with the hundred percent uptime. Yep. Because I five percent translates to revenue I, most of the time. Yes, I could charge for that. I could yep. charge for that five percent of uptime. Yep. I could charge. And I, and I'm not saying that I'm gonna you know that you'd use it as an excuse to be exuberant, but as a business, you can transfer a lot of that cost to really small increases in the price. And you're talking, you know, at fifty cents or a dollar on a product sold to a hundred million people, especially at that scale. Exactly. You know, you think about yeah. that, right? You know, you got, if you're selling, you know, millions and millions of tickets, you add a dollar to every ticket. Who cares about, have you guys ever cared about which ticket was a dollar more expensive? No, no. Absolutely. They could add that point. Nope. $1 across the board to every ticket price and easily cover massive purchases. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And that's yeah. what stresses me out about that. That yeah. was just poor <laughs> management through and through. <laughs> And yeah. I'm sure their management is, they know it. I'm sure they know it. Their stocks are, are going to show it. Yeah. And I, there's no chance that they're getting away with that without anybody having anything to say. So I know they know the mistake they made, but it just goes to show nobody's too big to uh, to think. No one's too big to, to, to outsmart themselves. Right? <laughs> I'll get That's to it exactly. when I get to it. Well, you're going to get to it right now. <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Oh, man. For wow. sure. But uh, no, actually, um, uh, gents, I actually want to cover a, a couple of hot flight sim related talk topics if you uh, if you don't mind indulging me for a moment. And uh, I know sure. we were talking about this whole time, and um, really kind of you know, it's just kind of like hmm, I'm curious what uh, what the what everyone thinks about it. So I'm sure you guys heard about the whole flight sim.2 incident. The uh, oh. or you want to call it an incident or the, is it the ownership rights thing we're talking about? Right. Yep. Okay. Right. So, and 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 I knew you're going to be on, Colin, and just to get your just opinion on it as a developer, you know, let's say you're in a position, you know, you, you guys were, 
you know, putting out some free work content on, on Flight Sim.2. Now, before we dive into it, I will say that Flight Sim.2 recently um, made some announcements, you know, in the, you know, to my, my opinion, in good faith to make things right. But based on the things and, and the events that transpired, Colin, what, um, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that, my friend? So, again, I'm going to unfortunately have to kind of get brought up to speed a little bit. I was under the impression they changed their policies and it basically transferred a lot of the ownership of things submitted on their, their platform to them is what I understand. Right. Correct. And also it looks as if there is an issue with deleting uh, the deletion of content. Uh, some developers didn't have the ability to delete content for um, early yeah, think, on, but it looks right. like they've, uh, you know, they've made some amendments to that, uh, to their uh, TOS that, regarding that. That kind of goes hand in hand too, I guess, with the ownership Pretty thing, much. right? Yeah. Right. So, th see, this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for the purposes of this discussion off of the assumption that what we just said is the full story, because I don't, right. if there are other details that I don't know about, like I said, again, I heard this in passing, I've had my head buried in the sand for the last couple of months as we've been working on all of this stuff. So I do apologize. Mm -hmm. I'm a little out of touch. Uh, this is this interview or not even, it's not even an interview. This, this session has uh, shown me, I definitely need to get my, my ears to the ground a little more often. Um, so Luke, if you're still listening, that means I'm going to be asking you what's happening in the industry. I'm going to go, I'm going to base my answer off of the assumption that that that's the topic that we're talking, or that's the situation that we're describing here is an environment where we have this platform that, has been a mm -hmm. hub for free community that has now said, okay, well, we, we're going to retain ownership of content submitted to us. I'm going right. to go off of that as the evaluation of the situation. If that is wrong, then I might, my, my opinions might change. I just want to get that disclaimer out because I'm not yep. super up to date on the situation. Makes sense. So mm -hmm. I think a question like that really comes more to ethics and it does to legality mm -hmm. because I think legally I can, uh, again, I want to say this without making myself sound like, you know, a, a villain here, but oh, sure, no. Legally, I can get you to sign away your rights to almost anything, as long as mm -hmm. I write it in such a way that it is legally binding, isn't you know in violation of something that, that makes it unenforceable, and mm -hmm. that you are more or less aware of the agreement. And I say more or less because how often do we all? How often do we read the fine print? Yeah, exactly. Not often sure. enough. Not right, but it, and and I've I've always kind of felt like so. Our our all of our contracts are like less than three pages. I think. The longest contracts in Vernix has are ones other companies have made us sign. We have notoriously short and straightforward contracts. Some of them are very strict, maybe, but at least it's, it's in English. We don't do a lot of legalese. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of think that there is that, that fine line between covering your bases legally and being a little unethical because you know that the user's not going to, you know, they're not going to read it, right? It's, and this is the reason, like on our checkout page, we have, we have our terms of service where if you want to know the exact letter of the law of everything that we're going to do, sure. But then, like with the pre-sale, even though my terms of service and whatnot may technically cover me, I don't really care because I know you're not going to read it. If mm -hmm. it's something that I think you're going to have an obvious problem with or that I believe that you're going to misunderstand, mm -hmm. I kind of think it's up to you as the person with the confusing information to make it clear, whether it right. is legally required or not. Mm -hmm. So I think if you have a platform that has been a hub for free stuff. And it is, I mean, I've sent people there to get stuff for packs and to get other things. Right. I mean, it's, it's been this, this huge community. I can't stand behind a community that's going to steal from its, its contributors. Right. And that, that for me is a difficult place to be because as a developer, I own everything I put my name on mm -hmm. our contracts. Exactly. Also say that if you're being, if I'm paying for it, it's mine. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and that our contracts are very, are very strict that way. Now we often, you know, we, we, we're very, we share a lot voluntarily, but by default, if I, you know, if I'm paying for it, it's mine. If you're paying for it, it's yours. Our terms, when people have commissions, most of our, our contracts don't have expirations because mm-hmm. as long as I'm still selling your work, you're still owed your cut of it, right? Like it's yours, it's yours. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think that it's, it'd be really strange for me to click upload to a website that I'm not getting paid from, that I'm not benefiting from at all. Because really you're doing the community a service. If you're creating free content, mm-hmm. you're doing everyone else a favor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You may enjoy it. Absolutely. You may be getting something too. Maybe you're getting recognition, you're getting practice, whatever it is. Cool. But right. you're still putting in hours and hours at least of your work for other people to use for free. And I think mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a, I think it's wrong that your thank you to something like that would be any type of issue here. And I, and if it was hidden in some legal thing where they technically can do it, I don't really think that matters. Mm-hmm. I think the obvious expectation from the, the developers submitting it is that this is just a file hosting service. You have no more right to own this than TFDI does when you upload a website to us. Mm-hmm. We, they shouldn't own that any more than we own your website. And we don't at all. We have 0% ownership of that. Right. You can, right. anything you host us, you can take and leave at any time. Mm-hmm. And that's, we have nothing to say about that. And I, I, I'm amazed that we're even having to have this discussion. It was shocking. Right. <laughs> I was I was so caught off guard when I was first told about this thing. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I, that's why I was like, there's no way. I'm like, I must not have heard this right. I'm like, there's no way. Because that just no doesn't sense make sense to me. To me. Yeah. Right. And I, and I and I don't think any I don't know of any developers personally who would ever allow that. I've never wow. met a developer who would knowingly say, Hey, I'm gonna surrender my rights, even if it's not full ownership rights, even if it's just distribution rights, it's my product. It it yeah. leaves when I say it leaves. It goes on the store when I say it goes on the store. It's mm-hmm. my work. And it's I expect, yours. <laughs> yeah, it's my work, right? It's you know you would you would never come into somebody's house and tell them they parked their car wrong. You're on you're in their you're in their garage, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing is it's like it's like an electrician coming into your house and saying that he you know you need to change all of your uh, your light switches because he doesn't like the style. I'm like, well, it's not your house. Exactly. I paid you to come in here and put my lights in, so put my lights in. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it's kind of the same thing, right? Like if it's a third party mm-hmm. service whose sole responsibility is to host content. Okay, well then host my content because right. there's a million other tools that can do that. Do your job, I'll do mine. I'll create my content, you host it. And I, I don't know why we ended up in this this thing about that. And it seems kind of short-sighted for me for a, a website that exists solely because of content creation to do anything against the obvious intent of the content creators. That seems kind of that seems counterintuitive to me. Right. So I, right. I would love to understand what really went on there because they. There's no way that somebody just decided to do this out of the blue. There must be there must have been a reason, or they may, they might have maybe had a plan, and it just mm-hmm. did not execute the way that they thought it would. Mm-hmm. Someone says, uh, I think Prime here in the chat says it was caused by a few individuals spreading misinformation, which I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that I, I'm not saying it's 100 incorrect, but I I do definitely think there's more to it. Because like I said, right. it's just so that's so yeah. out of the blue and in such a strange position to take. And it's such a 180 from their current position too, which is the other thing. Yeah, if they were yeah, always like, if there was always a power struggle, and I don't mean to cut you guys off, I'm sorry. No, um, no, no. If if there was always a power struggle, and it was always this kind of ongoing battle of of ethics or ownership with them in general, then I wouldn't really be as surprised. But for a otherwise hub of free content to suddenly turn into Fort Knox of you know privately owned software. I just I don't see that happening overnight. Not right. not without that that sort of a reaction doesn't doesn't happen without something prompting it. So I think it's either it could be misinformation, which I, I genuinely do believe that's that could be a huge part of it. 
Uh, sure. That's happened with us as well. Like certain things just get taken out of context, and mm-hmm. by the time it reaches, uh, you know, by the time it reaches the people talking about it on on media and things like that, it's been changed warped. three different ways. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't know. The only thing I would say to that is it's been covered by some pretty reputable um, uh, news sources or media outlets. Sources or media outlets across the industry, the flight sim industry today. That, that, that's the only thing. It's, it's very strange. I mean, these these folks have been around for quite some time. I'm not going to name any names. Anyone can go and find the articles, but they've been around for quite some time that I think they would have done the due diligence um, the proper due diligence before they would come out and yeah, they wouldn't have just spurted well, out something. So I I don't know where those sources were from, but I again I I don't know. Well, I, I say part- that, and and I'm actually in the meantime I started looking it up just because I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And who says that our our media sources aren't getting it from the same inside source that leaked right. to the public? That is wrong, right? right? Th- that same wrong source could have also been their source. Okay, um, well, an inside source that leaked it, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I don't know that that's what happened. Again, I don't yeah, want. I don't right. want to be another rumor mill. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but I do see there being paths where no one was intentionally misled, or at least, at least not by the news sources. Right? I'm saying where, like, because I because I know mm-hmm. a lot of the news. I'm looking at one of them right now, and it's it's if it's the one that you're thinking of, it's people that I also personally know that I oh. know would not go out of their way to mislead people. Right. Right. Yep. We're talking about the same people then. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. I, I would be willing. I would bet money that their source is either the same as the one that has been misleading others or they were genuinely misled themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got totally it. makes sense. I, so I noticed another part of that was regarding their premium program. And here's, and here's how I feel. I myself constantly gravitate to flight seminar too. I think it's an amazing outlet for content. Um, I mean, I'm constantly, even if I'm away from my sim, I'm constantly looking to see what's, what's out there. And, you know, under, you know, being in corporate world myself, I understand all that costs money. And they, 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 uh, looks like they mentioned, uh, something regarding like a premium program, which I myself, I'm, you know, if I can, you know, uh, financially help, you know, mm-hmm. support it. And I was looking at some of the prices, they really weren't bad. It was like, you know, $3 or something or whatever. And, um, for, you know, to remove ads or something like that or whatnot. But, I bought um, so many, you know, two dollars to remove ads. I bought oh, yeah. so many of those things. I can't even count oh, them. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I'm totally down for, uh, totally down with that. And which, and, and I, I guess that's kind of when, when the, the whole thing about, you know, for what some free world, freeware developers were calling to boycott them and all that. I'm just like, whoa, that totally doesn't sound like them. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm to your point, Colin. I'm really thinking it's like, you know, um what's the backstory right like what's you know what happened absolutely absolutely. you know so um you know i just i I really wanted to kind of get your you know get your feedback regarding that i definitely definitely appreciate it um you know it it looks like since then um flight sim.2 has you know um definitely made some uh, amendments to their uh, terms of service um you know looks like incorporating a little more transparency and um you know um you know looks like they're you know trying to you know get trying to you know, right the ship right so yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. and and it can happen the thing is even if something was meant it with good intentions but taken the mm-hmm. wrong way and mm-hmm. i have seen i've seen this happen actually to mm-hmm. a company that we partnered with that was this great thing again we were kind of privy to some information that 
we knew what the intent of the whole thing was. Like we were kind of there mm-hmm. behind those, some of those closers. We weren't involved per se, but we knew the people who were, mm-hmm. and we knew what their intent was. And it was, everything was super clean above board. Right. And it came out and got absolutely dumped on by everybody. They were wow. accused of being thieves and, you wow. know, uh, money grabbers and it was scam artists. And it was, I was all just for views and like, there are all kinds of awful things said. And we're looking at this going like, this is terrible. Like we know these people, like we know that none of this is wow. true and we're watching them just take this heat for no reason. And, and, that, and it happened to us too. I mean, granted the 717 did have its problems in the beginning, but we can, yeah. we heard some truly awful things. Like I, I was, my people wished failure on my business. They told mm-hmm. us, you know, we were terrible. What we did had no idea what we were doing should quit. Just, wow. you know, out of job. Like all kinds wow. of awful stuff. And I see that a lot, especially with the internet. Cause I think it's easy to forget you're talking to a human being. Absolutely. Yeah. Side of the screen. Yeah. So yeah. one guy says something, somebody else goes, yeah, you know what? I'm angry too. And yeah. then now you, you get this echo chamber of anger with nothing to balance it out because the right. human being that would go, Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. In in the real world, that isn't there. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing. Cause you know, if you're sitting across the table from me and you go, you know, if you just walked up to me, when you know, I really don't like that you guys you know, did that whole money grab for the pre-sale. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, what? No, hang on, hang on. Hang on, let me, and we're going to no, we're going to talk this out. Have that conversation, yeah. right? <laughs> and by the end, you're going to go, "Wow, sorry, I said it." I'm going to go, "Yeah, I'm sorry, we weren't more clear." And we're going to we're going to shake hands, and move on, ideally, right? And that happens a lot day to day, but we don't get to do that with this kind of stuff. One person says something. That's one of the reasons I hate forums. I, we were just talking about this with with our team. With our team, we all hate forums. We have them Man. because they serve a purpose currently. But the second I can find a technically viable solution to replace them, <laughs> gone. I hate them. Because forums are really bad about this, the echo chamber. Oh um, yes. And then you get, what you have happened now is if you have one topic where all the users with this problem are in there, and you get ten or fifteen people going, "Oh, I have this problem too. I hate this." Even if it's only twenty people out of twenty thousand, if all twenty are in this post, it looks like it's everybody, right? right. Which yeah. is bad. It's bad, obviously, for public marketing because then it looks like sure. this product is riddled with bugs. But it's also hard for the devs to get a genuine read for what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- and that's that's part of why we are super strict with like duplicate posts like we'll just straight up delete your post if it's a duplicate mm-hmm. and i feel bad to waste somebody's time if they've you know created it if there's anything if they contributed something new obviously we'll leave it but right if it's the seventh person whining about the same problem and i use that word in particular whining genuinely mm-hmm. reporting something to us is one thing i mm-hmm. see a lot of that and i also see a lot of whining mm-hmm. um and I, I said i use that word lo- very loosely because i i don't have any problem with criticism but when it's again, when it's that seventh person telling me the same information without contributing anything new, and all you're doing is making people angry that we're like, oh, see, another person are not dealing with it. I'm like, I know because we're still dealing with the first one. <laughs> all seven of you have the same problem. I can't. If I spend time talking to all seven of you independently about the same problem, I'm not going to spend any time fixing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I, I've seen that. Like I said, I've seen things get blown out of proportion a lot. So there is, I think, also the distinct possibility that this whole flights and that toe thing. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> you know, I feel like I messed it up a lot because I say flight some dot tube. I'm like, dang, it's not really. I'm it like, well, not too, no? Yeah, it's dot tube, but I, yeah, I feel, I like, I'm, I feel like I'm saying another dot tube. I don't know, man. I'm weird. You know, I'm just, I'm just, it's just, I don't know. It just sounds off. TL. Maybe they say TL. Yeah, maybe I just say. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. It's certainly not what I said. I think I just had a short circuit in my brain, but, um, <laughs> but no, I think that there's definitely a huge possibility that it's, it's miscommunication or, and, or something like that, where there maybe maybe there was a real problem, but it was much more minor mm-hmm. and it got turned into, Oh, they steal from developers. And then maybe that maybe again, so if I'm looking at the chat here, you know, the, that scenario that we're talking about where maybe it was something way less dramatic 
that when viewed through the wrong lens by somebody maybe with who is already expecting them to be a problem could easily take that as something else. And then it's all it does. All it does is it takes one person to declare something as fact without somebody else having a way to disprove it. And now that's it. Rumor starts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's, I think that there, that's definitely possible because yeah, it just it doesn't make sense to me. That's, Absolutely. That that would be like us making an environment that isn't conducive to having developers. Yep. I mean, you know, that's my bread and butter, right? Like, why why wouldn't we support the people that that keep this this company producing things, right? And if our company existed on hosting content, I wouldn't do anything that makes it harder to host content with me. That doesn't make <laughs> yeah. sense. Right. It should be the opposite. So I can't see them wanting to do that. Yeah, it was, it was strange. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely strange for sure. Um, uh, so yeah, just just wanted to touch on that. Uh, another another big update that transpired. I'm cover a couple of them, then we'll um, we'll uh, see what the team has. But um, so world update twelve, New Zealand. Haven't been there. Have you guys? <laughs> Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Better if I had got updated this morning. I'm, I'm sorry. I think uh, I might have to check the news on this one. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't know what you want to cover there specifically. <laughs> Other than uh, you guys uh, 2020 released another update, but uh, well, there is. I did just grind through and I did some support on the Xbox, which is actually a big deal. Right. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. That's, a, that's actually a freaking huge deal. Yeah. Uh, awesome support on the it Xbox. Lot, uh, it gives you a lot more flexibility than you have on the uh, like you have on the desktop. Yes. To it, sure. Yeah. That brings that's me one sure. step closer to my my recent pipe dream of seeing the MD11 on the Xbox. Whew. Oh my man! Oh man, that'd be amazing. That will be awesome. Oh, I, I have this vision, right? Because so I, 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 this is my office that I'm, I'm streaming with you guys from now. But mm-hmm. on the other, I work from home. So the other side of my house, I have my TV and my Xbox and all that stuff, right? And mm-hmm. I just have this image of sitting on my couch, popping up the MD11, and just doing some long haul flight with it. And I don't know how that's even going to be practical with a controller. Because I, I don't know how that even makes sense. But I know you can do this kind of stuff. You can plug in peripherals, and there's a lot more you can do now on the Xbox than you used to be yeah. able to. It's basically a small Windows computer. Pretty much, yeah. So, you get a lot of power now with that. So I think that would just be unreal to be able to sit there and fly. You know, 10 years ago, something of that fidelity wasn't even something we could have imagined. And now here we are flying it on a console on my couch. Absolutely. That would just be for me full circle. Yeah. How far flights him in general is like, you don't even have to go back as far as 10 years. Let's just go back four or five years. This is true. Leaps and bounds. I just I, I look at games, right? I, I think flight simming has always kind of lagged behind the mainstream gaming industry by about ten years. For sure. Yep. So yeah, for sure. You think you know about what five, ten years ago in, in the gaming world we were getting, you know, Steam and Uplay and all these centralized tools. And now over the last couple of years we've had, you know, FTX Central, um, that has kind of come out and done a really good job. Warbex has actually done a great job of being that kind of central install tool. Um, and then you've I mean you've had some other smaller ones, I believe uh, Parallel Forty Two. Their, mm-hmm. their effects package had its own installer. TFD, yeah, we tried, but the only product that, in our catalog that fit the Atom Manager was the 717. So it really was just another program we had to install. wasn't the goal. Anyway, you know, we missed the mark on that one. But a lot have tried, and now we're seeing, like, the store. The, this is the first, because, like, Steam tried, right? FSX Steam Edition. with the, And, like, we put one of our things on Steam, but between their commissions, which I can't go into, um, but between that and then just the technical challenges. And I don't like the huge delay with vendors, typically. 
mm-hmm. um, where I don't like where, when I have to send off stuff and it's kind of at their discretion if and when they post it. I don't like that. I like the self-service ones. Um, and most of our current stuff is self-service or like in, or- in Orbix's case, like they're, they're very, very responsive. So I don't mind working with them for it. But yeah. what I don't like is the, the Apple model where I submit my app and, you know, four days later it's reviewed. Like I, I want to be in control <laughs> of that. But mm-hmm. I think I'm willing to forego that because we were finally in a place as a market where with the store, it is almost possible where you have a one-click install for your flight sim experience. Yeah, it's yeah. We're, we're this close to this. I love it. Uh, I I yeah. I can't wait till you just open it up, install, and that's it. There's no yeah. installing twenty-five developers different tools. I can't wait yeah, for the day yeah. that you don't need my add-on manager. <laughs> I, I wish. I hate that we have to do stuff like that. I would so much rather you just be able to go into some native oh, integrated menu place. and just install it. Yeah. Like we have to because something has to install it right now. So you know it is what it is. But right, yeah. Um, and not also, only that, it's like and how it differs from that of gaming. It's like for gaming, you install the game and the associated components all in one, right? For flight sim, especially for those of us that have taken this hobby to a whole nother enthusiast level, we've got a crap ton of add-ons and plugins that we have to use and mods and all of this stuff. And it's like anytime you need to do a PC rebuild or you're moving to a new PC or for whatever yeah. reason you have to reinstall Windows, you've got to remember where the hell this serial number was for yes. this product. Yes, digging through your email which, webs- <laughs> which website I ordered this product from. And just, and yep. just hope you're not out of activation. Yeah, and hope you're not out of activation. <laughs> like, it's, exactly. It's nuts. And to your point, like the invention of like the, and I get from a developer standpoint, you know, some developers may feel differently because like you mentioned, this whole waiting period. But as a consumer, I love the 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 concept of the, of the 2020 marketplace. And it's if- just... We we all complained about it. We all okay. Let's be honest. We all complained about MSFS a lot in the beginning. At least I did. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I I definitely did a little bit of of unfair complaining. Maybe maybe it was justified, but the degree was was justified. But But, yes, yeah. But (laughs) no, I think I think it was like I said like I said in the beginning. I think it was popular to hate MSFS for a little bit, so it got easy to get on that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And I think even myself, I've really had to take a step back and think like I I'm one of those people that tries to be product quality first, right? Like this reason mm-hmm. we don't really have much of a marketing team. Our, mm-hmm. our approach to marketing has been make a product so good that it sells itself. Exactly. I don't, yeah. don't want to have to convince, I don't want to convince you to buy my product, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, got, I started thinking about that. And I, recently I really kind of taken a review of my stance of MSFS and more how I approach its problems. Mm-hmm. And I realized we were, we were kind of being a little, I, I don't want to say immature, but maybe a little short-sighted or kind of closed-minded about that because for the first time ever, we finally have a company that wants to come in and make a change. And then we all bitch and moan, pardon the, the candor, pardon my candor here, because it's not the change we all oh, wanted. Mm-hmm. It's not the change. We, sure. They didn't suit every whim and desire that we had, so we all screamed from the mountaintops about how it was terrible. And I'm like, that feels oddly similar to what people did to us over the 717. So, yep. you know, having I, I've, I've taken my whippings from the 717, and I get it. You know, we made our mistakes, and so did the Sobo and, and the Microsoft team. But I think it's important for us to give them a bit of a break too. They've mm-hmm. tried and we, we wanted these improvements, right? We wanted a SIM that runs 60 FPS everywhere. Well, it does for me now. Mm-hmm. We wanted a SIM that looks just like real life. Well, it does. I did a nighttime landing the other day and I legitimately would not have been able to tell it wasn't a real video at a glance. It was I'm absolutely unreal. It, it's it's not, same. We, we want an environment where it's one click installs. 
And so they say, okay, put it on the store. And so we all complain about the store. Why? <laughs> this is what we asked them for. <laughs> now, I get that the format that we wanted it in, was, there were reasons that we wanted these changes in the certain way that we asked for them. So I'm not, I'm not saying that we're the bad guys here. I'm not, but I'm definitely saying that I think a little open-mindedness to embracing these things could go a long way for the industry. Because sure. it's got to start with us, right? The people that, whose voices they hear, whose products they use, whose faces they see. If people see us giving them a chance, to grow into something awesome others i hope will follow and Absolutely. again it would be what an amazing environment we're in a couple of years where because like, these are mods like i said these are these are basically mods if you think of skyrim mm -hmm. right and you're going to install the, the difference between what we do in this community in general and what let's say you know um i'm looking at the sims 4 right because the sims 4 is like dlc heaven mm -hmm. so the difference between what something like this market does versus the sims is the sims is all first party Right, they make the game, then they make their own expansions. Right, that's like me. That's, that's like true. me selling you the MD11 and then selling you the cargo expansion. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're going to come in the same format, in the same system. Mm -hmm. What the flight sim world is like is like you installing GTA 5 and then just putting all a bunch of your own custom car packs in it. That's exactly. what we're doing in the flight sim yeah. world. Now we've made that yeah. into a business. We've made it. We've made this into a professional mod market. Yeah, and I exactly. think that's where some of this tension comes from because, like, really, all all any of us are are glorified modders. Now, I realize with sim in the simulation world, there is a a different scope there. There's a position for content developers for these platforms. Mm -hmm. But I think as we move some of these things towards something that feels like meaningful DLC, like actual content packaged together, away from mods, I think it'll be easier to get away from having 800 different installers. But you got to give somewhere. Right, exactly. I think it's that flexibility, right? Like right now, we control what we install, when, how, how long it takes, who we got it from, all that, and that's great. But the price of that level of granular control is that you have to go do it. If you want somebody else to do it for you, you have to be willing to let them do it. Exactly. Exactly. That makes sense. And, and you I'm, know, that's why we're embracing it now more, because no, it, 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 no, no, Colin. That uh, I, I totally. Uh, totally understand where you're coming from and i i don't know i i will say we have gone leaps and bounds from the p3 from p3d i know for me at least i used to have like you know oh my lord like six seven different applications oh yeah up at <laughs> you know a time you know to run a sim and my computer's like dude like you have to train somebody not... how to open your sim <laughs> yeah it's like a process yeah. it's like you know freaking you know, like we're trying to fly the Apollo, you know, Apollo lander or something <laughs> weird. What? But you know, the, the there has to be some sort of compromise, right? So you know, like for example, let's say you have an installer, you you know, and that you just you know you run the executable, boom, you you know it deploys the software. Well, you know, um, you can get it right then and there. You know, the updates are a little quicker versus you know waiting on the marketplace. I know where's a you know for FlyFX, for example. Um, you know, when they push an update, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit for that to trans right for that to transition yeah. to you know the marketplace. However, when it hits, you just roll up there, you know, nothing click, now. boom. It's you just done. open the game and you're good. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I know, I know I'm gonna get killed next this game, but, <laughs> yeah, but you, you open it. You yeah. open it and that's it. Your job is done. And that's right. that is what you get. That the time that you're you're trading basically, that control that you're giving away, you're getting that back. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And now for betas and things, it's a nightmare. I can't run a beta on a vendor. But yeah, true. But when it comes to like, I'm, I'm I don't know how. 
I don't know how they do these, like these sim update betas and stuff, because that the amount of, I this is more just as a developer. I'm curious because I can't imagine how much mm-hmm. of a logistics nightmare that must be to deploy one of those. Oh my goodness! Our deployments yeah. are terrible, and and if Fabio's still listening, he'll be laughing. Because our deployments are awful; they're super error prone. Like we have, <laughs> like our best guys basically personally deploy most of our stuff. Like I'm, it's it is not the way it's supposed to be, and it'll, it'll, it'll be getting fixed. Like we again, sure. this is this is one of those time bombs I was telling you about earlier that mm-hmm. we know will be a problem. Like we've already got the solution kind of specked out because we know in three to five years this deployment system won't work anymore. So we're right. going to fix it like this year or next year. But right. anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I just wondered about their updates, but no, I mean obviously you know betas and things you're not going to be able to do on the store, and that's and that's reasonable. But in general, <laughs> I think I think it's actually a good direction, and it's part of why I'm I'm pushing to try to support. I want to put this thing on this on the store. If unless mm-hmm. I am told I can't, I'm going to put it on the store. Oh, and unless I'm told I can't, I'm going to put it on the Xbox. So if I'm if I'm not allowed by licensing for whatever reason, or if I can't do it because of some technical reasons, and you know, I just I'm not going to have my guys break their backs to put it on the Xbox. But you know, it's it's one of those things that I I think would be worth doing, and I think again, it would. I want to put my money where my mouth is. I want everybody to right. promote this kind of an environment where we we encourage everything to be centralized and easy to use. I'm I have to support it myself. Yep. Absolutely. And and again, I know, and I think we've had this conversation uh, on the show before, you know, I think uh, the, a lot of the uh, Xbox consumers, you know, or, you know, a lot of folks who, you know, aren't in a, either in a position to, you know, be able to purchase a high end gaming rig or, you know, yeah. or, you know, consumers like my son, you know, and they see FedEx, you know, like on uh uh, old Charlie's uh, monitor there, you know, they, hey, I want to fly MD-11, you know, why not, you know, dive into the marketplace and boom, be able to send it now again, yeah. you know, uh, I think we all, I think we have the same, uh, same question there, Colin, you know, as far as the logistics with the controller of the airline controller, but I mean, there's tons of, you know, there's tons of peripherals out there. They are Xbox compatible. You know, this is that true. one this is very could, true. You know, one could utilize. So um I'm looking forward to it. Def, definitely I, looking forward to it. Oh man, I'm just I've just got this image now of uh building the home cockpit with the Xbox as the uh the core. That would <laughs> oh jeez. I don't think you could because I I don't think you'd be able to code the stuff to run yeah, the, uh, the right. Yeah. I think you'd need Windows level well, Windows level could be a Mac or something else, but you'd need a machine like a computer, I think, just right. to run all of the uh, the switches and whatnot. Although you could conceivably, I'm a nerd at heart. I was like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself now, I'm like, huh, wonder, I'm like, could I build this integrated? <laughs> I'm wondering, like, can I make this thing just a giant joystick and you just map giant virtual joystick buttons to it? I'm like, That's anyway, right. discussion for another day. Huh? <laughs> no worries, no worries at all. Um, well, again, I mean, we hit the two hour mark, holy cow, and my, and my two year old's banging on my door. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I got a, <laughs> you know, my girlfriend ordered pizza and uh, it's been in, sitting in the oven now probably for about 45 minutes oh, gotta get you to that pizza my friend yeah man colin thank you so much my friend for coming on once again again you're always welcome on the close traffic podcast um as far as uh, wrapping up any uh any parting uh any parting words for the audience as always i appreciate anytime i get a chance to have a platform and i thank you to you uh you guys as well as the listeners today just for joining us and giving me a chance to get some of this information out there it's it's always an honor to have the audience so it's it's never wasted Absolutely. it's always appreciated and uh, thank you all for being here and for supporting us and for supporting close traffic
Ah, oh, too cool, too cool, my friend. Awesome, CTP team. What we got, fellas? Uh, any uh, any parting words for the uh, for the audience? Charlie, man, I got nothing. I'm excited. <laughs> excited. Is, yeah. Char- Charlie's been eyeing that MD11 for a long time, so long I can't wait for him to stream it when it comes out, right, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know when. I said yeah. you're, you're my uh, you you have the collector's edition. You said right. He sure did. Oh, uh, so you'll be streaming it early too. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll get Johnny over here. He'll just stream it on my. Room. <laughs> What's this button do? <laughs> I don't think we're gonna have any NDAs or anything on the collector's edition on oh, the pre-purchase cool. ones. So oh, I think wow. you should be wow. able to do that pretty much without restrictions. Again, don't don't quote me, but I don't plan on us having any restrictions on uh media content. So yeah. the actual, like the private alpha and beta will be protected, obviously. But once we reach the, the uh, collector's edition, you should be good to go. Nice. Awesome. Too cool. Man. No, I did oh, want to, I did want to shout out Mike, man, right quick. Uh, shout me out. Oh boy. Here we go. Oh wow, yeah. Man. What did I do? <laughs> our boy is uh, taking his next step in the uh, real aviation world. Oh man. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I appreciate sir. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I begin instrument training on Saturday. So I'm going to go off my instrument license uh, and collectively uh, a serious transition as well. So. Okay. Uh, transition into the uh the SR twenty and twenty two and starting my instrument rating. So looking forward to that. Appreciate you uh congratulations. No, that's a good it's a good segue because we do plan on doing some content on that and, and talking through it. And we like to as much as we can provide, you know, perspective, uh, you know, based on flight training and just things in the real world industry on this channel and the podcast in general. So it'll be uh it'll be a good uh, a good thing for us to talk through in the coming months uh with our audience so looking forward to that man good 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 call out too cool too cool well uh well guys and gals uh again thank you guys for uh, those of you who were uh, who had the opportunity to dive into the chat and uh, engage Absolutely. with us definitely appreciate you guys and um looking forward to uh, spending some um spend some more time with you uh here in a future episode and again uh also want to shout out our friends over there at uh, fs expo and definitely uh if you haven't thought about going, please take a look. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, meeting each and every one of you. Um, definitely use our code to close traffic podcast for 10% off for your registration. Also want to shout out our friends over in Chicago at EFS simulations there. If you're dying to check out uh, a true to life uh, 737 SIM, uh, check those guys out. Um, uh, definitely a uh, an experience and uh, definitely an experience for sure but um other than that guys again you guys uh, have a, a very productive week stay safe and uh, keep the blue side up we we will see ya